Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, August 19th, 2013. Hello again, everyone. Ariel Hawani here with you for the next three plus hours as we talk mixed martial arts coming off one of the most important weekends for the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, kicking off Fox Sports 1 on Saturday. And to say they hit a grand slam would be an understatement. When you consider the fact that this was a new network, when you consider the fact that by Wednesday morning, there wasn't a deal to have Fox Sports 1 on DirecTV, Dish Network, Time Warner Cable. People couldn't even DVR this thing until around Thursday. The MMA fans, as we have come to learn, the most loyal fans in sports, they found the UFC on Fox Sports 1, and they stuck around, averaging 1.7 million viewers beating out all the other UFC on on FX main cards the last year and a half. A tremendous night for the UFC, a tremendous night for Fox Sports. We'll be talking about it. So great that uh, things turned out the way they did on Saturday. I, th- I think it's just a home run for the, for the sport, for the UFC, and of course for Fox. And we are being brought to you by the good people at Fox Sports 1 once again. Last week, heading into the debut this week, of course, we'll be talking about it and the ramifications coming out of it. And, of course, we want to thank them for sponsoring the show for the second time. And Fox Sports 1 now officially launched. The show that I'm on, UFC Tonight, is actually on Fox Sports 2 tomorrow at 11 p.m. Eastern. But then on September 11th, it debuts at 7 p.m. Eastern on a Wednesday. And that really cements... The, the Wednesday block, the UFC Fight Night Wednesday block on Fox Sports 1. But th- there's a ton of UFC stuff coming up this week, next week. Of course, next Wednesday, it's UFC Fight Night 27, Carlos Condit versus Martin Kampman 2. And then on Saturday, you got UFC, the following Saturday, UFC 164. So plenty to get to. And if you don't have Fox Sports 1 by now, watching Fox Sports Live and a bunch of their other new shows that are coming out, uh, Crowd Goes Wild, uh, which is the Regis Philbin show. Definitely check it out. Time Warner Cable, that's what I know. 774, DirecTV 219. That, those are the channels. So who's joining us today? Well, in the back, we're being joined by uh, the usual suspects. Actually, Will is not here. We, we traded Will for Nick. And we also have Buzzkill Brendan, who, by the way, I, I like to say that Buzzkill is always in the back, but he's kind of gone big time on us. He's not often in the back. This time, he's actually in the back. So good to have him back with us. And, of course, Mike, New York Rick. You'll be hearing from New York Rick throughout the show. 
And in the third hour, we want to hear from you. Hit us up using the hashtag #VMMAHour. Hit us up on Twitter. Leave questions in the comments below about anything that happened on Saturday. The bad guy returning that epic promo after the, so, uh, the, the, the Shogun Hua submission by Chael Sonnen. Uh, Travis Brown knocking off Alistair Overeem's head. Matt Brown, where did he come from? Uriah Faber's comeback win. So much to discuss. John Howard, Michael Johnson, anything you want to talk about, future fights, let's get to it. Now, in the second hour, 2.45, we'll be joined by Lyoto Machida. He's very much in the news. Is he fighting Nick Diaz? Is he fighting Vitor Belfort? What about Chael Sonnen? We'll hear from the Dragon at 2.45. One of our favorite guests in the sport, one of our favorite characters in the sport, Valid Ishmael, will be stopping by. He is the, the head of Jungle Fight. They have their 56th show on Saturday. He's also a manager to many uh, UFC stars. He was there on Saturday with Yuri Alcantara. He was also uh, you know, very present in the corner of one Eric Silva. Valid Ishmael, there is, there is only one, and uh, we look forward to his debut on the MMA Hour. At around 2 o'clock, we'll be hearing from Kira Gracie, the niece of Henzo Gracie, the kind of princess of the, the Gracie family, BJJ Black Belt. Will she finally make her MMA debut in the future? We'll find out. Carlos, uh, Carlos Condit, he'll be stopping by at around 145 to talk about his rematch against Martin Catman at UFN 27 in Indianapolis. That's next Wednesday. And then Eddie Alvarez returning to Bellator. He meets Michael Chandler November 2nd. Bellator pay-per-view, that's the co-main event. Big news last week coming out of Bellator. We'll talk to Eddie about re-signing after that long saga with Bellator. Looking forward to that. But first, let us go to the phone lines and welcome in a man who makes his return to the MMA Hour for the first time in almost two years. Last time he was on our show, we were an AOL property in our old, old studio, like three studios ago, alongside Kurt Pellegrino. Now, all of a sudden... He is the man in the UFC. Not even all of a sudden. It's been like this for the last two years. Calling the, the action on Saturday uh, on Fox Sports 1. Great broadcaster, great friend. John Anik is joining us right now on line number one. John, how are you? I am doing well, my man. Always a pleasure to talk to you on or off the air. And uh, nice to be back in Vegas. You know, I was in uh, New Hampshire before the Boston show. So on the road with my two daughters for about 10 days. So it's good to be home. And, and what a weekend, obviously, it was. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it, but I have to say, I don't know if you know this, I was in the back, you know, they, they kind of put me in this uh, this kind of rat hole in the back, I don't really, you know, show my face anywhere during the fights, I don't even get to walk into the arena, I don't know if you know this, but my, my cameraman backstage on Saturday claims to be, or to have been your professor at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting way back when, did you know this, did you know he was there? You know, I ran into John Upton uh, for the first time in, I guess, 11 years when I was in broadcasting school. So I actually ran into him uh, just after I finished makeup before the show. And he was really my favorite professor that I had at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And, and we really clicked uh, right away. So very cool to see him in the building. And, and obviously, we've both been doing our different things for the last decade or so. But I had no idea he was working with you. So that's pretty cool as well. He told me that he's been doing this, obviously, a long time, you know, uh, as a teacher at the uh, Connecticut School of Broadcasting. He said maybe once or twice in all his years of doing this, has someone sent him a handwritten note thanking him for everything that he has taught them? You are one of those guys, a true mensch. 
as as we like to say. That that's amazing. Yeah, you you well, actually sent him a handwritten note. I, I don't even remember having sent him <laughs> that note, but he really uh, struck a chord with me early on, and he really helped me. And you know, I actually went back and taught at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting for about two years, and I, for one reason or another, never even crossed his path. So it was good to see him Saturday night, and and it's nice to hear him say those things. I certainly think as highly, if not more highly, of him. Well, it, it was it was nice to see because he was telling me about you as a student. I was asking him a lot of questions, and then there you were, just a few feet away in the arena in your hometown calling this this monumental uh card for the ufc for fox sports you got the call and i'm wondering did it feel like you know ufc on fuel tv six did it feel like ufc on fx1 or deep down did this feel a little more special well it certainly felt more special to me and you know i try not to put any real pressure on myself because not unlike a fighter, as you well know in broadcasting, you're really only as good as your last broadcast, and now my focus is on Indianapolis and Bella Horizonte. But for me, having the show in Boston, uh, and given that it was the Fox Sports 1 launch, I felt more pressure than I did UFC 155 when I got the chance to do my first pay-per-view. Part of the reason was, you know, I got that call on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, and I really didn't have a lot of time to think about it. It was all about preparation, and I, you know, I, I took that opportunity on three or four days' notice. But, you know, there were just a lot of eyeballs on this, you know, not the least of which was, was Rupert Murdoch, of course. And just a lot of people were paying attention to what we were doing from a traffic standpoint on the show. There were a lot of different elements. We're doing a lot more live now as opposed to the taped voiceovers. So, you know, it's just a lot different than it was on FX or Fuel TV or pay-per-view. So I was glad that we were able to get through it with, you know, a minimal amount of hitches. And uh, it's just, it was an amazing night. Uh, obviously, the fighters deserve all the credit. Just a, a great showcase for our sport, you know. Do you know for a fact that Rupert Murdoch was watching on Saturday? Yes, I do. I mean, wow. I can't promise you he watched all 13 fights. But <laughs> yes, he did catch some of our broadcasts and he certainly was, was locked into Fox Sports Live. So I think that's pretty cool, you know. That is very cool. Why? Wow, I, I didn't even think that. It, that I guess it's a big deal for the for for the Fox family to to launch a network. So I guess it makes sense that he'd be watching. But that that is very cool. So you you mentioned the 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 preparation and how you had a lot of time to prepare for this one. You didn't have that same luxury going into UFC 155. I get the the sense from listening to your broadcast, from you know knowing you, from seeing your tweets leading up to the fights, that you really prepare a lot. For someone that doesn't really understand what goes into all of this, they think you just sit down and talk for seven hours. You know, let's say you have a fight card this Saturday. How many weeks, days in advance are you preparing for it, and what are you doing to prepare for for those calls? Well, you know, a lot of it depends on the calendar. Like right now, I've done very little for Belo Horizonte because I was focusing on Boston and then Indianapolis. So when I have three fights in less than three weeks, as I do right now, it makes it harder to, to do as much as you would do for a show that maybe has a three-week gap. But it's pretty exhaustive. And, you know, unlike doing desk stuff in the studio, I feel like there are never really enough hours when it comes to play-by-play preparation. And even though maybe I will only use 30% of my notes or 30% of the things that I prepare, if the fight card all of a sudden got delayed five hours because of a blackout in the arena, I could make use of that time. I mean, there's always another interview you can watch or article you can read or fight footage uh, that you can track, you know? So there's, it, there's just so much you can do from a play-by-play standpoint. And as you know, you know, I grew up 
uh, in Boston. It was always football, baseball, basketball, and to a lesser extent hockey. But, you know, mixed martial arts, when I started covering it in 2007, was very much outside of my comfort zone. So there has definitely been a learning curve for me, and I still don't consider myself an MMA expert. So for me, this is very challenging, and that's why I, I took this job, and I love this job, because it is a little bit outside of my comfort zone. But, you know, I would say that the three big things I do uh, are, are watch film. You know, I watch every single fighter's previous fight in the UFC, uh, read articles. I read every single fight preview on all of the major websites I can get my hand on, and I try to watch as many interviews in the weeks leading up, you know, watching the MMA hour from this uh, last week, of course, and just consuming as much content as humanly possible because you never know when you can come across a nugget. Uh, I remember just this this Saturday morning as I was just doing my final preparations, I read an article uh, on Mike Pyle when he talked about playing PlayStation against Matt Brown, and that was a nugget. I don't even know if I was able to work it into the domestic broadcast. I know they heard it internationally, but you never know when you might get that nugget that you can use. So it is exhaustive, and, and, you know, I just feel like my anxiety is really much more in the preparation than the performance. You know, once I get to the arena, I feel like the work's done. It's just time to have fun and perform. You're approaching your two-year anniversary with the UFC. They, they introduced you to the world at UFC 137. Uh, I remember that at the New York, New York, and there you were uh, upstaging one, one Nick Diaz. He was very upset about it. I could see it on his face. Um, two years in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, two years in. Are, are you happy with the move from ESPN to the UFC? I'm thrilled, man. You know, I mean, I, the only thing that's hard for me is the international travel. As you well know, most of my shows are outside of North America. And with a two-year-old daughter and another that's three months old, it just is very difficult. Uh, but other than that, man, no complaints, you know. And you do get conditioned to the international travel and flying hundreds of thousands of miles a year. And uh, I love it. I couldn't be happier. You know, part of the reason I left ESPN was because I wasn't getting enough of the live events and the play-by-play, you know, I did get to do some boxing for them. I got to do a couple college football games before I left, but I really feel like I thrive, you know, as humbly as I can say that, doing the live events. And for me, mostly at ESPN, my schedule was 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the studio, five nights a week, and that just wasn't for me. Uh, I enjoy experiencing the crowd and the fans, and, and to me, there's not a better live event in all of sports than, uh, than the UFC, so it's everything I thought it would be and more. You know, I feel like they're asking a lot of me, which I like, you know, I'm, I'm emceeing weigh-ins and, and, you know, calling fights and press conferences here and there. There's a lot of different things, Ultimate Insider, uh, that they're asking me to do, and, you know, just trying to knock it out one by one and, and keep them happy. You know, as I say to a lot of people, they can terminate me without cause at any time, and I take it very seriously. I know that after any show, it could be my last, and that's not really, uh, you know, I don't say that just to say it. I really do take it seriously. You are not doing the Ultimate Fighter anymore. Do you miss that? Yeah, you know, that's the most fun I've ever had in broadcasting, doing the Ultimate Fighters live season. We all had watched that show for so many years, and, and I just thought it, it sort of needed a kick in the ass, so to speak, and the fact that the fights were live, I just thought it was exactly what the show needed. There are a lot of issues, um, financially and otherwise, with doing that show live every week, uh, and I think that's ultimately why they made the decision to, to return to the taped format, but... Man, if they were to call my number again to do it live, I certainly would be ready. I just thought it was so cool every Friday night for three months to have a live fight uh, in addition to some of the tape content and the reality stuff that has come to define the show. So absolutely loved it. I still have a warm place in my heart for that entire cast. Love seeing James Vick obviously get a win this past weekend. Mm. And uh, 
I hope I hope it gets back to the live format. I understand logistically there are a lot of issues. It's it's certainly a huge challenge from a production standpoint, but I hope we can get back to it at some point. I feel like you guys don't get enough credit for this. You know, I, I do this show once a week, and it's around three hours. And honestly, by the end, I'm very tired. You guys are calling huh. fights. And it, what is it? It's lasting like, what, six, seven hours, something like that? And you're talking constantly, and, and there's so much that you can't prepare for. You're actually calling the action. By the end of that, come Saturday, and I couldn't believe it. I saw you at the post by press conference, and like the first thing you're talking to me about is, is the Red Sox. Like, it's like you, you, you just you know, <laughs> went, went out to lunch, and here you are walking in the park. Aren't you exhausted after doing that for six, seven hours? Yeah, you know, there's definitely a rush after the show, and it takes me a while to come down. Uh, but it really is like doing back-to-back Super Bowls or back-to-back football games or even, you know, three or four college basketball games in a row. And you really do have to pace yourself so that you have energy come the co-main event and the main event. And what a lot of people in the United States don't realize is that when you're in commercial break, we're still going internationally. When all the fighters are walking to the octagon, we're still going. So I've worked a lot with my twin brother who majored in musical theater uh, on breathing correctly and trying to use my diaphragm. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to that. But you really do have to pace yourself. And, you know, it's not like I can go to the bathroom seven times during the fights either. So it's not like I'm, I'm hydrating as much as I should be, you know. So there are a lot of different things that, that you deal with, and you just try to drink tea sparingly and, and coat your throat with honey and everything else. But, yeah, it's a grind, man. You know, I mean, that, I think, has been the biggest adjustment for me coming from ESPN is, is just going through this gauntlet seven hours of live fights. But it's, it's amazing, you know, and we root for finishes, you know. I mean, when I'm calling fights, I root for finishes, no doubt about it. You know, we did in Macau, I think we started the night with seven or eight straight decisions, and that beats us up pretty good. So needless to say, we were happy with the way things went down in Boston. So on Saturday, you work with Joe Rogan. Uh, often you're working with your good pal, Kenny Florian. Is there a difference? Like, when you know, okay, I'm working with Rogan as opposed to Florian or vice versa, is there a difference in your approach to calling the fights? You know, not necessarily in my approach. Uh, I think because both of them are Brazilian jiu-jitsu experts, and that really is each of their foremost forte. Uh, you know, I know that when the fight hits the canvas, uh, you know, they really want me laying out, which in television means to shut the hell up and let those guys handle a lot of the ground action. You know, Joe cracks me up, man. You know, I think there's definitely... Uh, a comedic value to, to his approach to anything he does, including calling MMA fights. And it was interesting, just an aside, he said his stand-up comedy really makes everything else he does in broadcasting easier because he sees that as his biggest challenge. And I was saying to him that, you know, everything I do in broadcasting makes calling the live fights a little bit easier because the live fights are my biggest challenge. But Kenny and I go way back, obviously. Uh, you know, he was at my wedding. I still consider him one of my, my dearest friends. And uh, so there's chemistry that I think has been developed over, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of shows. And for Joe and I, you know, I do think in a lot of broadcast teams, there is sort of an instant chemistry. And if it's not there, you'll know pretty quickly. And I do feel like we got off on the right foot uh, at UFC 155. The real challenge for me, I think, in working with Joe was the fact that we'd only worked together one time. And for these fights, I had about a 10-week layoff, at least in terms of calling the live fights. You know, in a perfect world, you would never have more than three or four weeks between shows. But just circumstantially, the way the events fell, uh, I went from June 8th to August 17th without calling fights. So 
that was really my big focus and challenge was to make sure that I was staying sharp. But it, it's great working with someone like Joe. You know, I, I grew up watching the guy, not to age him or anything, but he's just such a dynamic presence. And, you know, and he's very good, too, at giving me feedback, on, not only, you know, on my post-fight interviews, but ways to make his job easier. And he's very willing uh, to offer up that feedback. And, uh, you know, it was nice to hear, you know, after the fact that he really had a good time again. So uh, hopefully we'll get the opportunity to do it again. But, of course, excited to call the, the fights with Ken Flo uh, in 10 days or so in Indianapolis. A lot of people like to compare Dana White to Vince McMahon. And one of the things that a lot of uh, WWE broadcasters say about working for Vince is that he's in your ear the entire time. And sometimes it's overbearing. Is Dana that way? Do, do you hear from him during the broadcast? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't call him overbearing, but certainly if there are things happening uh, during the fights, if, if he wants, you know, more or less energy at a given time or he didn't like something that you said, he will get that message to us um, through Craig Borsari, who is my boss and, and an excellent uh, executive vice president for the company. You know, I feel like when Dana isn't at the shows, you know, there have been a couple shows in Brazil that he's been un unable to attend for one reason or another. Then I feel like maybe I'll hear from him a little bit more because he's really watching with a fine-tooth comb and he is watching every minute of the broadcast from home, whereas when he's on location, he has a lot of different people pulling him in a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, I remember one time I called him DW on the air, and uh, he didn't like that very much, so you can be sure I won't do that again. But he really is a wonderful guy to work with, and I, and I like the fact that I always know where I stand, you know, and I feel like he's very consistent in his approach, not only um, with his feedback, but the way that feedback gets delivered. You know, they don't do it in a condescending way, and, and they're just looking to improve the broadcast, and, and promotionally, we're all looking to put our best foot forward. I think for me, the big challenge was just having worked for a network to now work for the promoter, because there is a, a little bit of a different methodology when it comes to the approach of a broadcast, uh, and that was really a big challenge for me. Uh, you know, at ESPN, I think I had certain censorship, but I also had certain freedom, and it's just a little bit different when you work for the promoter. You know, we really want to cast a positive light on these fighters, and, and that is, you know, one of my big areas of focus uh, every time I call live fights. But Dane is great, and, you know, I just feel very embraced by the entire team. You know, as I said at that press conference, you know, this is a well-oiled machine. I'm just trying to not get in the way, and that really is, you know, what I'm trying to do, my man. Do you like watching, listening to yourself after, you know, Saturday night you called a whole bunch of fights, six or so hours. Will you sit down on a Monday or Tuesday and rewatch the entire thing, or are you the kind of guy that doesn't like to do that? Well, I don't like to do it, but it's definitely an inconvenient truth of the gig. And, and, you know, there are really only two ways, I think, to get better. Repetitions and then to watch yourself back on tape. You know, I have an identical twin brother, so I hear my own voice all the time every time <laughs> I talk to him. And we talk five times a day. So, you know, when I watch fights, I'm almost, it sounds to me like it's, my twin brother, uh, maybe my twin brother on steroids a little bit, but it always doesn't sound like me. It sounds like him. But, no, I don't like to do it because we are our, our biggest critics, as you know, and watching your stuff back, I know you'll beat yourself up when other people think it's completely flawless. So it's not something I like to do, but it really is something you have to do. And especially, you know, when I was getting ready to work with Joe Rogan here for a second time, I had to go back and watch UFC 155 just to see maybe areas when I stepped on him where I could have laid out uh, 
and and areas where I could have made the broadcast better. So yes, it's something that I do, but I do it reluctantly. I really don't. I'm sort of an introvert, man. You know, I I don't love the spotlight. I really don't. And I, you know, maybe some people on Twitter would disagree with that, but it really is a little bit uncomfortable for me. And it's something that even you and I have had conversations back in 2008 that I need to to learn to embrace. But I, I'm very much an introvert more than an extrovert. And you know, being in the spotlight a little bit forces me to sort of get out there. But it's not the most comfortable role for me. Again, not just saying this because you're you're on the phone right now, but I say it to anyone, I, I think you do an incredible job. And you're right. I mean, sometimes we we uh, anyone does this. Not not just people who work in media. I, I feel like you know you critique yourself more so than what people might notice. Right now, as we stand here today, what's the biggest thing you'd like to improve as far as your game as a broadcaster? Well, I think being a little bit more relaxed with the post-fight interviews, it's challenging as the play-by-play guy because you're traffic copping the entire broadcast to race into the octagon, get the post-fight interview done, and then get back, do your Metro PCS move of the fight, and then throw it to break. So I want to make sure that I'm as relaxed and organic as possible while doing those post-fight interviews. But I would also say stylistically, Joe Rogan and I have a very different approach to those as well. Um, You know, he continues his analysis and and again he's been doing it for many many years that's definitely an area of focus for me uh and something that i am constantly trying to improve upon and and that those are heavily scrutinized as well you know you never want to be the guy that follows the guy you know i really you know feel for the guy who follows vin scully on those la dodgers oh, broadcasts yeah. i feel i feel for the guy who becomes the next host of the mma hour and i feel for the guy who follows joe rogan doing post-fight interviews because he is as universally beloved as anyone in this space and uh, you're not going to win over most of his fan base, and I realize that. But he gave me some good feedback uh, in terms of sort of controlling my body and, and being relaxed, and hopefully uh, you see some of those improvements in Indy in a few days. Well, i got to tell you, my mom is loving this interview right now. She keeps texting me how much she, she loves that John Anik. So you have a fan uh-huh. in my mother. Um, also, she's a fan of Ultimate Insider, which is very exciting that it's moving to Fox Sports 1. I was actually talking to the producers of the show, telling them that I think it's about time that show gets... Uh, the attention it deserves. It's a beautifully shot show. The piece on Conor McGregor this past week, just just great stuff. And I'm happy that your show is moving over to Fox Sports One. W- one last thing before we let you go. I know you're you're an avid gambler. W- what do we like tonight? I-, I always like to hear your your insights. Is there anything interesting on the uh, the sports calendar? Well, I haven't looked at the Major League Baseball for tonight, but I will say the Buffalo Bills over oh. six and a half wins right now is plus one fifteen. So I know you don't gamble no anywhere chance. near where your heart exists. But I think there's a lot of value on the Buffalo Bills going over six and a half wins this year. So as far as the NFL season win totals, I will most definitely be playing your Buffalo Bills. No and, way. Uh, you texted yeah, no me on Friday. You're all, you're all high on EJ Manuel. I come, I come back to the hotel. He's injured. He has surgery. I know. What was See, up with I that? I know. I didn't realize he was injured when I sent you that text. <laughs> but I still like the Bills over. And uh, best of luck to your Bills. I appreciate your mother saying that. She's got to get her grandson some modeling gigs. But I know that's a discussion <laughs> you definitely don't want to have. Um, look forward, by the way, Connor McGregor and Phil Davis will be in studio with us in oh. L.A. on Wednesday for Ultimate Insider. So plenty more to be heard from from uh, the notorious one. And so, so give me the rundown because uh, UFC Tonight only moves to Fox Sports 1 on September 11th. When is the next airing and where of Ultimate Insider? As far as I know, it's going to be Sunday night, maybe 530 Eastern, but okay. I still am not. I still haven't been told with finality uh, that we have a consistent time slot every Sunday at 530. So 
I will try to tweet as best I can as to when we're going to land, but at least you know where we're going to land. It'll be Fox Sports 1, and uh, excited to sit down with Connor uh, and Phil, obviously, in a few days. So. If, you, if you want the latest lines on the WNBA, Major League Baseball, MLS, follow him on Twitter. Also some good MMA knowledge as well. John underscore Anik. I feel like we could talk for an hour. I love talking about this stuff, broadcasting. and whatnot. We didn't even get, really get into the fights. Um, but we have run out of time. So uh, your, your good pal, Eddie Alvarez, coming up next. Great stuff, John. Congratulations on an amazing, amazing show on Saturday. I know everyone's very happy at the UFC about the ratings, but I thought you did a great job, and I know it was very important to you being back home in Boston, that arena, with a couple of those banners over your head. But, uh, hey, 2013 playoffs. We got you in the first round. Oh, don't I, I watched your MMAfighting.com preview with Dave Doyle. I saw that little veiled shot after he mentioned the 23 banners. But thank you very much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you in the sports book here in Vegas in uh, November. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. There he is. Thanks, Bill. The Appreciate voice it. of the UFC, John Anik, did a masterful job on Saturday night in his hometown. A great card, UFC Fight Night 26. One of the best cards of the year. One of the best cards in a very long time. And, you know, some people joked when Dana White said, oh, this is the best free card in, uh, in, in UFC history. Um, honestly, I mean, it, it just, A, the card felt like it just kept going on and on and on. It was like, oh, this, car, this fight's next? This fight's next? Matt Brown's next? Uriah Faber's next? Travis Brown? After Travis Brown, I was exhausted. And then Chael Sonnen comes out and submits Shogun Hua with a guillotine in the first round. And then the post-fight interview was fantastic. Um, channeling his inner Razor Ramon. It was just, it was a great night. And then to top it all off, the ratings. So great stuff there. We talked about Fox Sports 1. Let us pause now for a little word from our good friends at Fox Sports 1. And then on the flip, we'll be joined by Mr. Eddie Alvarez. Here at Fox Sports Live, we talk sports. We want to talk sports to you. We have the technology to bring you sports news and highlights of sports. In that order or in reverse. We can show you sports news. We can talk about sports news. We can talk and show sports news at the same time. We're here to change the game by literally showing you the game. Fox Sports 1, check them out on Twitter, twitter.com slash Fox Sports 1. We will talk a lot more about them in uh, the third hour. Okay, let's go to the... Do we have them on Skype? Um... Uh, yeah, I think we do have him on Skype. Let's go to the Skype machine and welcome in Mr. Eddie Alvarez. Is he there? Okay. This is great. This is what happens when Buzzkill comes back to the show. Technical difficulties galore. But Eric is telling me we do have him. Is he on the phone? We're just trying to get his camera working. Okay, let's just saying. do audio. Okay. Let's just do it. Can you hear me? Eddie, are you there? No, he's not there. It's Monday back there. For me, it's Friday. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk to Eddie Alvarez. If you saw last week, he re-signed with Bellator. Uh, they came to a settlement. He is fighting Michael Chandler. The rematch is on. It's going down November 2nd. Bellator pay-per-view. Long Beach Arena in Long Beach, California. Um, and it is the co-main event of the Tito Ortiz versus Rampage Jackson. But let's be honest. I mean, you talk about the people's main event. That is the people's main event. That's the fight that everyone wants to see as far as Bellator is concerned. And also, King Mo Lawal versus Emmanuel Newton 2 is taking place for the interim title, which is a little strange, uh, unless something very serious happened to Attila Vey. Timing kind of interesting. Uh, but it is for the interim title, and the Bellator uh, lightweight title will be on the line when Eddie Alvarez meets Michael Chandler. 
Um, Eddie, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Ariel. What's oh, up, buddy? Oh, hey, what's up? Uh, a, a little echoey there. I'm guessing you're talking to us via your computer, right? Yeah, sorry. I couldn't get no video, so you guys can't see my handsome face. Well, I wanted to see your handsome face because I wanted to see just how happy you are to be fighting again. Congratulations on the new deal. Oh, thank you, man. How did it come about? Tell us the, the timeline here. When did you guys really start talking, and then when did you decide that it's time to end this and come back to fighting? Well, we, we've been trying to settle since the beginning of this thing. Just, you know, none of the meetings we had have been, have really went anywhere. You know, I drew a line in the sand, they drew a line in the sand, and we were sort of butting heads. Um, just recently, I got to speak to a guy named T- Tim Danaher from Bellator, and um, Tim was, uh, Tim, Tim was, Tim wanted to compromise. He, want, he, he wanted to fight just as bad as I did, and, um, we sat down, you know, he, uh, he listened to what I have to say. I listened to what he has to say, and we were able to come to an agreement. And uh, Bellator was able to, you know, they were able to put a deal on the table that was fair enough to get me back in November and uh, get, get a shot at that title. Are you happy with the way things turned out? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, you know, we, we settled, but the thing is, you know, in, in every relationship, there's there's good, there's bad, there's ugly. And uh, people get a, a little caught up. You know, I got a little caught up. I got a little emotional. And um, they want to take a side. But really, both sides needed to compromise. We both needed to sit down and really listen to each other and each other's needs. And um, we were able to do that. And, uh, you know, they put a deal on, on the table. It was, you know, it was fair enough. I'm happy. I'm ready to get back in there, and um, I wish I had video. I have my uh, my Bellator belt with oh, me. Really? Yeah, I dusted off that old thing, and, <laughs> and I figured I figured if I'm going to be champion again, I might as well wear it around a little bit. Wow, you're actually wearing the Bellator belt right now? Yeah. Well, I have it. I have it right by right by me. I'm not wearing it. Is is this the same deal that you were initially offered? Um, the same. Deal that I was uh, no no it's not the same deal. There's some uh, there's some differences. Um, I can't get into the details or in the structure of the deal. It's just not it's not what I agreed to. But um, it's fair to say I'm I'm happy enough. You know, happy enough to to get working and um, you know, more than anything, just fight Mike Chandler again. You know, I had a shitty night, and um, I think it's you know at, at, when you're champion. Uh, it's okay to have a shitty night, but it's also important to redeem yourself. And I'm lucky enough. I'm, uh, I'm very grateful that I get a chance to redeem myself because sometimes you don't. And, um, you guys seen, I I lost the one other lightweight besides Michael Chandler. And that was Shinya Yoki. And, um, you, you seen, you guys seen what I was able to do when I came back, you seen, I was able to focus and, and fight after, after that loss. And you're going to see it again. Can you comment on how long the deal is for? Uh, no, that would be details of the deal, Ariel. <laughs> uh, I, I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, have you settled your differences to put it to put it that way with Bjorn Rebney? Because you know, here's here's my take on the situation, and I, I heard from some people at Bellator that, that I guess they weren't happy um, with me. But my take was, look. I can't forget all that happened the last eight months. 
things were said. This, this wasn't a figment of my imagination. So I'm wondering now, today, August 19th, are you and Bjorn okay? Uh, well, are we okay? I don't know. <laughs> Ask Bjorn that. We're, we are, it is what it is. Look, we're in business together. Um, I don't agree with everything, you know, that, that's done. And he don't agree with everything that's done. We always, so we're sort of button heads. That's the nature of this business. Like when you're at the end of, when you're at the end of a contract, you know, that's sort of the way things go. And, um, I, I don't, I don't know what more, more can be said. You know, someone's got to get their way, right? Someone's ha- has to get their way and, um, something, somebody needs a compromise. So, uh, you know, that's what, it's not important what, you know, what happened in the past. It's not important. Well, what's important is that me and Mike Chandler get the fight again and um, put a fight on um, that the fans want to see, uh, that the media wants to see, and more important, put a fight on that I want to be in. So uh, that's what we should be focusing on. You know, it was so interesting. Uh, this news came out Tuesday, and then there you were with your good friend Michael Johnson, who looked fantastic, by the way, on Saturday. Congratulations to you and the team uh, on his performance. And at the now, win- how, how, how great, say it again, how <laughs> great did Michael Johnson look Saturday? He looked- because none of the media, no, you're right. all you guys are hating, because I didn't hear a thing about Michael Johnson. You're 100% and, um, right. We completely walked into Boston and silenced the whole a lot of them, whether it was 10 or 15, I don't know how many it was, but we silenced the whole crowd and it was, it was, uh, and he was such an underdog. He did something great that night and it wasn't even talked about. No, you're right. He, he, he wasn't given, um, uh, credit going into the fight, perhaps due to the fact that he was on the losing streak. He was fighting Joe in his hometown, all that stuff. But you're right. He looked amazing. Probably in my opinion, the best he's ever looked, including the ultimate fighter. But what was interesting was at the weigh-ins, you had a little chat with Dana White. And then on Saturday night, he told us that you were waiting for him because he wanted to talk to you. What did you talk to Dana about? <laughs> he said, what? He d- is that not true? I wasn't waiting for Dana White. <laughs> he said that you were, uh, you were hanging out and he was going to have a little chat with you after the fight. <laughs> I was with Michael Johnson in my locker room. Okay. I won't lie, Dana. Me and Dana didn't agree to any sort of. I walked by Dana. I wasn't waiting for Dana. I love Dana. He's a good guy. I wasn't waiting for Dana. I was with Michael Johnson waiting for the post fight press conference. But did you talk to him after the fights? Uh, no, we oh. did never. No, we never got the chat. What did you say to each other? I saw you actually talking to each other at the weigh-ins. What did you say to each other then? Um, at the, oh, at the weigh-ins? There was like a brief little, hey, how's it going type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I said, hey, well, how's it going, man? He said, oh, uh, congratulations. I'm glad, glad to see you back fighting again. <laughs> That's what we said verbatim. <laughs> wow. That's juicy stuff. I love it. I don't know how juicy it is, but... <laughs> um, okay, so so was there ever a point, though, because we were very concerned for you, for your career, because we were hearing that the trial would only start September 2014. Was there a point where you were like, you know what, Just let's just figure this out, because I'm not going to sit around. Maybe I do want to go fight elsewhere, maybe not, but at the end of the day, I need to make money for my family. You were talking about having to give up property. Were you legitimately worried that you may be out for like two years when it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that was my biggest concern. But the minute the minute I sold, I, I, I had an investment property that that I bought that it actually did really well for me. I made I made good money off it. I plan on 
you know, never, never selling it and just hold on to it and be able to, you know, maybe pay for my kids college. It was, it was a good, it was a good investment, but I had to sell it. And the minute I sold that, my intentions were sell it, make the move to Florida and train for a world championship title fight. I wasn't, my management never told me what was going on, whether we were, you know, whether we were going to get a fight, not get a fight. Nothing was set in stone, but they were my intentions. That was in my mind. Uh, it was to sell my house, get to Florida and begin to train for a world title fight. And everything happened exactly the way I, I thought about it in, in my mind. And um, I'm glad it did. By the end of this year, I'll fight the best fight you guys have ever seen. My first fight against Mike Chandler, I might have had the worst first round I've ever fought in my whole life. And I still almost came back and won the fight. So I'm a way more focused person. Uh, I look at Mike Chandler as, as, a, as a dangerous opponent now, which in the first fight I, I, I really didn't. And um, when, I, when I see my opponents like that, when I look at them as dangerous and a, and a threat to me, they're the guys that I that that I do the best against. They're the guys that I put away and I put them away fast. So, um, to me, this is a completely different fight. Mike Chandler can think what he wants. He could think he had the best of me, and he could think he took that he took my best shots in the third. That's complete bullshit. He didn't take my best shots. November second, he'll take my best shots, and we'll see if he is able to get out of even the first. You know, this is fascinating stuff because this fight is two and a half months from now. It sounds like it's going down in two days. I, I feel the fire coming out of you, how amped up you are. feels like you have a major chip on your shoulder. And obviously, Michael, in, in the last year or so, and, and, you know, to his credit, I mean, he deserves a, a lot of this. He is doing great stuff as champion in Bellator. He has been kind of pushed as the face of Bellator. Is this Eddie versus Mike slash Bellator? Do you feel like you're going in there to not only beat him, avenge that loss, but to also, you know, take down their poster boy? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know how I see it, you know. It, every fight is always a battle within myself. It's ne- it never has nothing to do with any of my opponents. It don't have to do with Mike Chandler. It don't have to do with Patricky Pitbull, Aoki. You don't have to do with any of these guys. It's always a, a battle with myself. And um, to put myself in a really good place and a really good position to uh, go out there and perform at the highest level possible. And uh, I am in that position. I'm in that position right now. So uh, two months from now, I, I can't imagine where we're going to be at. So, you know... Um, uh, I'm just excited that, you know, the timing, it, it's perfect timing, and uh, I couldn't be happier uh, that it's a title fight against someone that I, that I actually want to fight because you don't, always wanna, you don't always get the fights against the guys that you want to get after. And um, so this one will be special. I called this the people's main event. You know, Bellator took some flack for the Rampage-Tito fight, but no one is complaining about this. This is the best fight Bellator can't put on by far. How do you feel about being the co-main event to Rampage versus Tito? Do you think you should be the main event? Uh, no, no. I mean, what does it matter? Second, third, fourth? A fight's a fight. What does it matter? I, I, fan, fans... Uh, give that sort of thing too much, uh, too much power. Like who cares where we're fighting? 
Who cares who it's for? Who cares what what number order it's in? Who cares? Who gives a shit? It's a fight. You want to see the fight or you don't want to see the fight. It's that simple. It does mean something when you're when you're the main event. It, it feels like when the promotion puts you as the main event, I think they consider that the big fight on the card. I mean, that's why the prelim fight is not in the main event and vice versa. So I was just wondering if you were bothered by that, but apparently not. No, we're the main event. You know, <laughs> we you know, but in my eyes, it's the main event. And do you feel like, okay, you win the Bellator championship because, you know, I know you don't want to talk about the deal, but I put some terms out there that you can, obviously can't comment on. You're the Bellator champion. You may have to stick around. Are you going to be okay with that? Uh, whatever's fair, man. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay and I'm easy to work with if, uh, if everything's fair playing field. And everybody, everybody can um, be given a fair shake. I'm okay with that, as long as long as everything's fair. It can't be, it can't be completely one-sided. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't feel that that's no fair. I can't play like that. So, um, yeah, I'm okay with that as long as everything's fair. Have you had your eye on Mike the last couple fights? I mean, he finished his opponent David Rickles in a matter of seconds just a couple of weeks ago. Have you had your eye on him, and you think he is better today than when you fought him a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah, he's got to be. You know, there's, you know, he's he Mike, Mike Chandler's a champion, and uh, you know, regardless of who he's fighting, he's going to grow, and he'll do most of his growing in the gym. You know, when he's when he's uh training for each opponent he'll, he'll grow more and more but you know i'm really not concerned with you know what what adjustments he made how good he's gotten that's that doesn't i, I know what i'm capable of and uh i i i especially know what i'm capable of when i when i go and fight a guy and i feel that that anxiety i feel that fear i feel that guy uh poses a threat and a danger to me. Uh, I've only lost against guys who I, who I felt that di- they didn't pose enough of a threat to me. I, I lost to Aoki. I lost to uh, Nick Thompson way back in my career. And I lost to Mike Chandler. And the, I, I remember going in the ring with all three of these guys and not seeing the, the common denominator was I didn't, I didn't see these guys as, as enough of a threat. So it, I wasn't able to have that heightened sense of awareness and, and be as focused as I should have been. And um, when I see a guy as a serious threat, that, that he has knockout ability and, um, you know, he's able to, to ha- you know, fight at the top of his game, they're the guys I put away, man. You guys seen it. I seen Aoki as a threat. I put him away in, in a minute. Um, Patricky Pipple knocks everyone out, and he knocks them out viciously. I put him away in, in, in less than a round. And the list goes on and on. And you can, I can sit here and rattle off a bunch of names of guys who are serious, serious uh, threats to me who nobody thought I'd win against. And um, I put him away. Not only did I win, but I put him away quickly. Eddie, congratulations on the new deal. Very happy that you'll be back. Can't wait for this fight. November 2nd, pay-per-view, Long Beach Arena, Eddie Alvarez versus Michael Chandler 2. Two years ago, they had arguably the best fight of the year. I'm expecting nothing less this time around. Good luck to you, Eddie. I'm sure we'll talk to you before then, and uh, can't wait for it. Really, really happy for you. 
Hey guys, thank you for everything and tune in to see me get my hand raised. It's uh, it'll be a, a good story, a good story. And uh, <laughs> if you don't believe me, just watch. Can't wait! I can't wait for the CM Punk moment when you take the belt and run into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. All right, guys. There he is, Eddie Alvarez, perhaps the future Bellator lightweight champion. Remember that, uh, what was it, two summers ago, CM Punk wins the championship and uh, runs into the crowd as the outsider. Will we see that on November 2nd? We shall see. Okay, let's move along. UFN 27. UFC Fight Night 27 is coming up very shortly. It's, uh, when is it, August 28th in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's on Fox Sports 1. The headlining act is Martin Katman versus Carlos Condit 2. They had a great fight few years back they rematch next wednesday we have carlos on the line right now carlos how are you i'm doing well ariel how are you doing man i'm doing great did i just wake you up carlos no sir <laughs> <laughs> um well it's good to Not have you on. Close. okay good uh it's good to have you on the show i'm looking forward to this fight it, it was a great fight a few years back do you remember what it was like going into that fight that was your ufc debut you were the wc champion and a lot of people were really interested when, when whenever we have a champion coming into the ufc we want to see how he stacks with the best in the ufc did you feel more nervous going into that fight than you have in your last few fights now that you're a ufc vet Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, I feel, I mean, go, first time around, you know, I, I, you know, I felt like there was a lot of hype and it was kind of my, my fight to lose. Um, this time around, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a completely different place mentally. I am, uh, you know, I, I train really, really hard. Um, you know, I'm prepared to get in there and, and, uh, you know, fight, fight from bell to bell. And that fight, I kind of just, um, the first fight, I, 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 I cruised a little bit too much and, and uh, kind of, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't real focused, I would say. Well, why is that? Because usually in your UFC debut, you're uber focused. Were you too high on yourself? Were you believing your own hype? Uh, yeah, pro- probably. You know, I was, that was a few years ago. I was a few years younger and, and uh, more immature. And, um, yeah, I... I a lot of, you know, at, at that point in my career, I had, um, uh, talent had gotten me a long way. You know, I, I worked hard, you know, in, in intervals, but, you know. Oh. Carlos disappeared. That's a bad sound. Um, all right, we're going to get him back. Uh, Carlos Condit there, being very honest, saying that he was, uh, he was high on himself back when he fought... Martin Kamen, that was a great fight. That was also a UFC fight night way back when uh, in his UFC debuts, UFC fight night 18. Just just tell me in my ear when he's back um, in April of 2009. And he made his UFC debut and lost to Martin Kamen, but it was a split decision and it was a very close fight. And since then, I mean, you know, he, he went on that amazing run, won a bunch in a row, six in a row, and then eventually met up with George St. Pierre and Johnny Hendricks. Um, and uh, currently in a two-fight losing streak. But interesting to hear him say that. Yes, he is a lot older now. Yes, he's a lot wiser. He's a UFC veteran as opposed to the guy making his UFC debut and going into the UFC from WC and beyond. He was on a very impressive winning streak. So, it, it, okay. Uh, Carlos, are you there? 
I am. I'm back. Okay. Welcome back. Um, so you were saying you're just a lot more wiser now and maybe not uh, making those same silly mistakes that a young buck would make in his UFC debut, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think with experience, um, you know, a lot of things are learned. Uh, first, in the first fight, um, I, 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 you know, like going into that third round, I felt like I had won the first two and that I could just cruise through the, the last round and get the decision. And that was, uh, you know, really, you know, really hard lesson to learn. I lost my UFC debut. Um, you know, Martin put a, put an end to my win streak. Um, so that was definitely something that I've learned from. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, that fight's behind us and really, really looking forward to next Wednesday. It was somewhat of a controversial fight. Some people still think you won. Have you watched the fight since then, you know, recently leading up to this fight? And, and do you think you legitimately won? Um, yeah, I've been watching it just, uh, you know, just doing homework as well as Martin's other fights. But, yeah, definitely that one um, is pre- pretty relevant. Um, uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I think I won the fight. Um, it was really close. Um, I think he, he edged me out in, in a lot of the scrambles and was able to, um, you know, take top position, take, take, uh, you know, top control. And that's, that, that's why I think he got the, the, the judges nod, but, um, I definitely did more, more damage and, uh, yeah, I, I won the fight, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, I could see it, it was very, very close. It's interesting to hear you talk about your mental state going into that fight as opposed to this fight, but also uh, kind of a interesting storyline going into this fight is that you are uh, riding a two-fight losing streak, uh, and it's it's amazing how quickly things can change in the world of UFC. Do you feel pressure? Do you, I mean, to be uh, a loser in your last three in a row is, is is something obviously that I know you don't want to face. Do you feel pressure to break that losing streak now? Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I'm not letting it affect me or, or take up too much too much space in my in my brain but yeah i mean it's definitely in the back of my mind have you watched the hendrix fight do you think you won that one um i haven't i watched it i think right right after the fight i haven't watched it much since um no i mean it, it was like, like that was another one that was really really close um you know he was able to uh, land uh you know land a lot of takedowns I mean, it, it depends on your on your judging criteria. You know, I, I in in a in a fight. You know, if that was a street fight, I won the fight. But you know, it's it's a mixed martial arts competition. You know, ten uh, ten point must system, and you know that whole deal. So under the current under the current judging judging criteria, you know, I, I probably as a judge, I probably would have given it to him. But uh, you know, whatever. You know, it's it's neither here nor there. I, I have a big fight coming up. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to avenging this loss, and then you know, and then you know, um, after I take care of business next week, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Johnny Hendricks and you know, possibly a, a rematch, and you know, going at it again. Are you are you hoping he beats GSP because that fight was probably closer than your GSP fight, and there's a there's a, a better chance of you getting the rematch with Johnny over the GSP fight? Yeah, yeah, that, that thought has definitely crossed my mind. You know, you're one of those guys who it feels like you've been around forever, yet you're still in your 20s, right? You're you're 29. Have you thought about how much longer you want to do this for? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, this uh, last July, you know, marked uh, 11 years that I've been co- competing professionally in mixed martial arts. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I feel like I have another title run in me for sure. 
Um, you know, and uh, you know, we'll see where where we go from there. Um, I still love it. You know, it's uh, still still my passion. So, you know, my heart's still in it. And uh, you know, we'll reevaluate down the road. But for for now, I'm you know, I'm 100. percent I was reading your UFC bio, and it says that your heroes are Tyler Sanchez and Tim Mullins. And then I googled those names, <laughs> and I don't know who those people are. Who are those people? Is that a joke? Uh, a couple of my a couple of my friends. It was just kind of a goof. Uh, yeah, they're two of my best friends that are like like family, like brothers to me. But they're not. Just, yeah, it's just a goof. Oh, okay. Because you know, I was googling, and some people with those names came up. One kid, like a transgender kid, is named Tyler Sanchez, and I thought <laughs> maybe that was your hero, and I couldn't really understand it. So, okay, it's not the kid you're saying. No, 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 not, 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 not that one in particular, but you know what, whatever, uh, we'll, maybe we, we'll go with that. <laughs> we are up against the clock, so I'll ask you um, this final question and let you go, and we appreciate the time very much. Um, if there's one thing you can do differently in, in, in the fight that you didn't do when you fought him a few years back, and not talking about you know the mental side, the actual physical part of the fight, what is the one thing you need to do this time around as opposed to last time that you didn't do? Um... Need to keep the pressure on Martin, um, but I also need to uh, win win in the scramble situations. You know, and in the first fight, uh, I was too content with with going on my back and fighting off my back, and uh, you know that, that lost me the fight. You know, it's lost me fights uh, in in, uh, in fights after that. So, you know, I need to you know win these scrambles, and I need to uh, you know just, just keep the pressure on them. All right, looking forward to a UFN 27, Carlos Condit versus Martin Katman. Carlos, my mother, has been sitting on the edge of her chair listening to this. this is her, she's been looking forward to this interview all week long, so you just made her day, just being on the show. Awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. Appreciate it. All we'll right, see man. you in Indianapolis. Good luck. All right, take care. There he is, Carlos Condit. A short, uh, a short appearance by Carlos Condit. He uh, had to change things around and can only join us for a few minutes, but good to have him on the show and very interesting stuff out of him, talking about uh, the mental side of the game and, and, and how he was different coming into this fight uh, as coming into the original fight in his UFC debut as WC champion. It wasn't an official unification about anything like that. Catman, of course, wasn't the, uh, the UFC champion, but now coming off the two straight losses. Amazing how things can change. I mean, this time last year, Carlos Condit is the number one contender about to fight GSP. A year later, he's on a two-fight losing streak. But I, I don't feel like Carlos Condit's uh, stock has dropped at all. I don't feel like he is viewed uh, in any lesser light than he was a year ago as he was uh, gunning for the championship. In fact, I feel like his stock has almost gone up after his performance against George St. Pierre and uh, dropping George and just never quitting and, and coming at him full force. And even the Johnny Hendricks fight, which was close. And I think, and he admitted it, he, I mean, if you're scoring an MMA fight, I, I, I think Johnny Hendricks did deserve to win that fight. It's been like $4 million since then. But off the top of my head, I do believe that I did not have a problem with it. Still very, very, um, very aggressive, never quit. I don't remember what the fight of the night was at UFC 158, but certainly... Uh, I, I do remember that being one of the better fights on the card. So here he is, about to fight uh, Martin Katman. It's a Wednesday night card. It's on Fox Sports 1. It's uh, in Indianapolis. And, uh, of course, I will be there. And I'm very excited about this because when we were in Indianapolis for UFC 119, I remember that was one of the best American crowds I have ever seen. Um, it was the Conseco Fieldhouse back then. 
Uh, now it's known as the Banker's Life Fieldhouse. And I remember them being, I mean, maybe it was because local hero Sean McCorkle was uh, jerking the curtain against Mark Hunt, if you recall, and he submitted him in a matter of seconds. I remember that, that arena was maybe 85% full, maybe even more. It was unbelievable. And then they, they, they popped. It was a great pop. The, the, the pop was massive when McCorkle submitted uh, Mark Hunt. Um, and, and they really came out early. It's going to be interesting, though, because this card, while it's still kind of the summer, although I think a lot of kids are going back to school and you know work ramping up, this card kicks off at 5 o'clock Eastern um, on a Wednesday. So I, I'm curious to see if the crowd will come as early as it did back at UFC 119 a couple of years ago. Um, the main event, of course, is Carlos Condemar Martin Campman. Uh, co-main event, Donald Cerrone versus Rafael Dos Anjos. And then there was supposed to be Sarah McMahon versus Sarah Kaufman. Unfortunately, recently, Sarah McMahon had to pull out due to personal reasons. And the UFC was trying to find someone to face Sarah Kaufman on short notice. But a tough task because, A, Sarah Kaufman, of course, considered to be one of the best bantamweights um, in women's MMA. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to step up on short notice to fight her. Um, still the talent pool, or at least the roster, isn't the deepest right now in the UFC. And you have to remember, a lot of the bantamweights who are good, who are prospects, who uh, could be signed on short notice to fight someone like Sarah, uh, Sarah Kaufman, a lot of them are going to be on the Ultimate Fighter. So a lot of people were tied up. And unfortunately for Sarah Kaufman, can you imagine, uh, you know, 10 days out from your UFC debut, your long-awaited UFC debut. They can't find you an opponent, so she will not be on the card. Unfortunately, uh, Kelvin Gastelum will be making his uh, welterweight debut against Brian Melanson, Robert Whitaker versus Court McGee, Robert McDaniel versus uh, Brad Tavares. That's the main card. I'm assuming another uh, fight will be bumped up now that Kaufman versus McMahon is on... uh, is on the shelf. But uh, we will break that one down next week because that's taking place not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, August 28th. Um, so we'll give you the picks and whatnot. And uh, Mama knows, speaking of which, she went 3-3 three and three this week but uh, or last weekend. Uh, she was very upset because she started off very slowly. Owen um, to Michael Johnson and uh, John Howard spoiled... Um, her uh, first two fights, but then got back to it and ended up, what, what was it, four, no, three and one, uh, losing the Overeem fight. And, and and to her credit, she was going back and forth on the Overeem-Brown fight as well as the Hall-Howard fight. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it is. So uh, eight and one going into this card, three and three. So what is that, 11 and four. Still very good, still better than New York Rick ever did. Um, so not bad, not bad at all. All right, let's go to the Skype machine and welcome in. Very excited to welcome in our next guest. Been wanting to have her on the show for a very long time. And finally, I actually saw her at UFC 163 and that re-sparked my desire to get her on the show. I called her earlier the, the princess of the Gracie family. Gracie, um, uh, family, obviously the most famous family in mixed martial arts history and jujitsu history. Uh, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, the niece of the famous Henzo Gracie and many others. She is, of course, Kira Gracie. There she is. Kira, how are you? Hi, Ariel. Thanks for being here with you. It's a pleasure for me. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so when I saw you at UFC 163 in Rio just a couple weeks ago, you were telling me that you're doing some TV work now over there, doing some MMA uh, commentary. What exactly are you doing in Brazil now? Exactly. I'm working uh, for, for Sport TV, 
It's like the main uh, sports channel here in Brazil. And uh, I'm, I'm commenting all the UFC shows. Wow, all of them. And when did this start? Uh, it, it started like uh, in like beginning of this year. And it's a great, great uh, opportunity for me, you know, and it's been like pretty awesome job. Um, I'm doing what I love to do, you know, and I've been, I grew up watching MMA and it's a pretty, pretty fun job now, right now. <laughs> Obviously, your, your main focus uh, throughout your upbringing has been jujitsu, but are you comfortable with critiquing the other points of mixed martial arts, you know, the, the striking and everything involved with that? Yes, I feel very comfortable because uh, besides jiu-jitsu, I, I, I've been training like some boxing and Muay Thai and uh, I'm studying more uh, the stand-up game so I can uh, be more comfortable uh, uh, commenting. But for sure, uh, it's better for me if, if the fight goes to the ground. You know, yeah. I feel more more comfortable and uh, and it's more exciting for me too. <laughs> so you mentioned that you've been studying uh, boxing, Muay Thai, all that stuff, and for the last couple of years or so, we have been teased that you may, you may not be making your MMA debut. A lot of people are very interested to see you make the crossover to mixed martial arts. There was some talk you were talking to Strike Force and all this stuff. Where do we stand right now? Will you actually fight in MMA in the foreseeable future? Yeah, people. Um, a lot of people ask me about MMA, you know. It's something that I, I've been training some boxing with uh, Claudio Coelho here in Brazil. Uh, I've, been to, uh, I've been to some uh, MMA camps uh, in New York with Hanzo, you know. But I always had my focus, like, on jiu in jiu-jitsu competitions and been competing my whole life. So MMA, it might happen, but it might not happen. And now things are, are, are growing here for me in TV, on, on TV. So I'm not sure, you know. And in any ways, I'll be, uh, I'll be in the UFC. In, or it's fighting or it's commenting. <laughs> oh, really? So, so do you think that the TV opportunity uh, lessened your chances of making your MMA debut? Now that you're busy with this, you don't really need to actually fight? Yeah, it, for sure. Uh, if the TV grows more and more, you know, the way uh, I'm expecting to... to, to to it, uh, it's going to be even harder for me to, to join MMA, you know, because um, I'm getting uh, busier and busier with the TV. And also, like, uh, for MMA, the main thing is, like, when you have something, like, I already I built, uh, I achieved everything that I wanted in Jiu-Jitsu, you know, all the tournaments and everything that I always dream about. It. And MMA would be more for, like, a new challenge for me. Let's see how it's going to be. So have you closed the door on your MMA aspirations? Like right now, you're not even thinking about it? No, I've, I've been training, you know, training boxing and training like no gi a lot, uh, especially because I'm competing in the next Abu Dhabi in uh, October in China. So it helps me a lot with the, with the, with the MMA training. But TV is getting more, more attention for me right now. I'm putting more attention on TV than to MMA. So you're still actively competing in jiu-jitsu. When, when was the last time you, you, uh, you competed in a tournament? Yes, uh, I competed last year for the World Championship, but uh, I won the, the last Abu Dhabi, so I'm already in for the, hmm. for the next tournament. Uh, I've been out uh, for a year already, not competing in uh, jiu-jitsu because I uh, had some injuries, had to take care of it, and 
the TV things, you know, uh, start like um, put, uh, kept me busy with that. But uh, I'll, I'll be back in the, the next uh, Abu Dhabi. Forgive me for not knowing this, but uh, when you compete in Abu Dhabi, do you get paid anything? No, just if you win. Just if you win. Wow. So that's the bad thing, you know. So, I won the last one, so I got paid. <laughs> what What is the the prize? Is that is that made uh, public? Yeah, it's uh, ten 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 thousand. So the amount that you're competing and and spending time training for these events, I mean, can you? Can you live comfortably off of just being a jiu-jitsu practitioner at this point in, in 2013? Yeah, it's, it's very hard still, you know. It's very hard to get uh, sponsors and uh, the money that we get paid uh, is not, not enough. You know, we have to train at least for three months and then I cannot uh, give any seminars, you know. I have to be uh, kind of out of teaching, so it's very hard, you know. What is your earliest memory of jiu-jitsu? Obviously, growing up with your family with a long history in the sport, when do you first remember that this was something that you know, was being talked about, that people were telling you about, teaching you, etc.? Um, I grew up in a house with Hanzo, Half, and Hyan together. So, you know, jiu-jitsu was everything for, 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 for me here, like, I grew up watching them on the tournaments. I grew up like training with them. We had a, we always had a mat on our house, so I was just like playing around, you know, just learning some things. So jujitsu is part of my life, like since uh, I don't know, I, like everything that I know, it's it's because of jujitsu, and uh, I've been learning since uh, I started walking. So was there ever a point where you weren't interested, and they told you you have to do this, or were you always interested, at least from what you remember? No, you know, it was something like. For me, because I was a, a little girl playing around, they were like, oh, Kira, you shouldn't do this, you know. This is not for a girl, you know, and it's going to be very hard for you to to to, to make money with jiu-jitsu. People wouldn't, wouldn't respect a girl, you know, can't keep the, the grace name. So then I was, like, shocked because I, I thought they would support me, you know. But then there was something that, kept me mot- motivated. Uh, I always thought like, hey, I'm going to prove it they, they are wrong. So then I started training hard. I started like achieving my goals. And then they became my, my biggest supporters. And when you were training, when you were climbing the ranks, were you training with more females or males? Males. At the time, like I was the only female uh, in, my, in, my, in my gym. Wow. So, yeah. But usually I, I like train with males. You know, I, I never had like a like a really tough female partners to train with. I was uh, like to train with males. You know, they are stronger. They have the strength. And then when I go to tournaments, I don't feel the strength of the girls as much. Oh wow, that must be a huge advantage. But now with the the rise of women's MMA and people like Ronda Rousey, jujitsu, arm bars, all that stuff, do you notice that more women are interested in this? For sure, you know, and I, and I think MMA is something. It's it's getting more. Um, uh, it's getting more and more women involved because it's very hard for women and uh, I think for for everybody that wants uh, to make money with uh, sports, uh, with a judo, jiu-jitsu, it's very hard to get sponsors, to get paid on a tournament. And MMA is uh, getting huge, so people have the can have the the make the money. So a lot of it's a lot of girls like from 
from Muay Thai, like getting involved in, in, into MMA right now. What do you think of Ronda Rousey and in particular her ground game? Yeah, I think such a, a, a great work and uh, style on the arm lock. Uh, I'm, I'm watching her videos, and she does it very, very well. You're a fan of hers? Yes, for sure. Now, when you see the UFC having a women's division and people like Ronda Rousey essentially becoming like the, the face of the UFC, does that spark a little more interest in maybe trying to fight an MMA? Because two years ago, this, sure. wasn't, this wasn't on the table. Yes, for sure. Allow with the... With the UFC opening, like the doors for the women, you know, you get more excited about it because, you know, that's what everybody wants it, like to, to, to people to recognize their work. And uh, when you were in the UFC, people see you, you know, and it's awesome. And I think uh, right now, like uh, more and more girls are getting involved with, uh, into MMA because of that. And I think... In the near future, they're going to open more divisions, you know, more weight classes, and it's going to be great. <laughs> what is the sentiment in the family now? Because the last time a Gracie family member won in the UFC was mid-90s when, uh, when Hoist won. Some have come in, Hollis Gracie, and uh, very recently um, uh, against, against, yes, against Tim Kennedy. Um, they, they've lost. Um, so what is the sentiment now? Are, are they trying to groom someone to come in there and win? Is this a problem? Is this something that you guys talk about? Yeah, when when uh, my family uh, developed uh, UFC, was to prove that jiu-jitsu was, the, the, one, uh, was uh, the most efficient, efficient uh, martial arts and was to show jiu-jitsu to the world, you know? And right now, of course, we want, we want to have a new champion, but... You know, the rules are different. You have to really be focused on that. Like, we have Roger. Roger is such a good uh, jiu-jitsu athlete, you know, but he 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 been growing up, like, he grew up uh, with all his energy on jiu-jitsu tournaments, and MMA is very, very different. You have to adapt to the rules. You have to be very explosive. You have to be ready for 15 minutes battle. So, for sure, we we want to have more, 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 um, fighters to be um, uh, in MMA, so I hope in the near future we have uh, new, new faces coming up. Are you surprised by how popular MMA has become in Brazil? I mean, it feels like the last couple of years it's exploded over there. It's crazy here in Brazil. Like, everywhere you go, like, it, every, everyone is talking about, like, how... Uh, how how MMA is nice and uh, the girls they talk about the fight they talk about the fighters you know everywhere it's crazy like I remember before when I grew up I was the only one like watching the videos I remember I used to have like the VHS from Pride and I used to to watch on my uh, at my house but now like everywhere I go like I, I want to make I, I I go to the to to the place to make my nail. The, the, the other girls are talking about, hey, who do you think is going gonna, is gonna to win? You know, this guy or that guy. So <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> what is it like growing up with Henzo Gracie? You know, Henzo is uh, such a nice guy, like we all know. But he, like, growing up with him was uh, such a pleasure for me. And uh, 
growing up in the Gracie family was great because uh, I I always had all my idols inside of my family. So Hanzo is my master. He gave me my black belt. You know, he supported me uh, through my career, and um, I just um, just uh, I just have a just I was blessed with this. You know, to grow up with Hanzo Half and High in the same house. So I grew up really in jiu-jitsu since I was born. I, I saw an interview with you where you said, like, some of your other family members, they yell and things like that to try to teach you, but he's always calling you princess and trying to be very sweet and nice to you, right? Yes, it's funny because, like, everywhere I'm, like, every time that I'm fighting, like, let's say he's on my corner, he's always like, hey, he doesn't go like, oh, put the hand here, you know, do that. And he was like, hey, little princess, <laughs> just remember, the hand on the right side you know like it's so funny like i watch the videos right like uh sometimes here like old videos that i have and like we can always hear his voice like saying hey little princess hey kirinha like little kira you know so he always has like some sweet things to say before the move you know right right um when you were in school when you were in high school and growing up what's it like going to school as as a girl with the Gracie last name, as far as your relationship with other girls and also the boys? Like, uh, the Gracie name is very famous here in Brazil. Like, since uh, I'm a little kid, people were like, oh, you're Gracie. You know, like, don't kick my ass, please. You know, if you come in front of the line, was, was something, it was nice. Like, the girls, like, from, like, when I was a teenager, they, they think it was weird, you know, for me to do jiu-jitsu because none of the girls were, like, doing, uh, no, it was hard to find a girl that did uh, some fighting sports, you know. So it was kind of like, hey, she does jiu-jitsu. But uh, for the boys, they were afraid of my uncles. So <laughs> they wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> so it was, was kind of fun. It was good. Was that hard for you to, you know, because people were intimidated, I, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Like, like the boys, they were really intimidated about me. And I always had like a, a lot of, the, the family is huge, so... I always had like a lot of uh, cousins, you know, so that was pretty much of my age. So the the boys they wouldn't not even talk to me. <laughs> and speaking of your family, they're involved with the uh, Metamoris group, right? Uh, actually, yes. I have my black belt right here on my desk. You can't see it, but they they presented me with my black belt. It says my name on it. It's a very proud thing for me. I I did a lot to earn it. Um, I'm wondering, have they approached you about competing in one of their cards? Yes, yes. Uh, I've been talking to them. You know, it's gonna be. I think I, I really like the rules, um, like the no no points, just submissions. You know, I think it's great for jujitsu, and uh, because sometimes in the in, in the tournaments people stall a lot. You know, they win by one advantage, and you know, metamorphosis is uh, something that it can happen. You know, I've been talking to them, and uh, it would be great to 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 fight. What's cool about metamorphosis is that you see some you know jujitsu stars against maybe some. Famous people from yeah. MMA, like you saw Brendan Schaub in the last one. Is there anyone in particular that you'd love to compete against? Is there someone that comes to mind, that, like a dream match for you? Yeah, if I can, um, I fought uh, with an MMA girl like uh, Alex Davis in yep. uh, Jiu-Jitsu Expo. And it was a great experience, you know. And if I can fight with, a, um, with a, another MMA star like Ronda Rousey or uh, Liz Carmouche or one of those girls, girls it would be great. Have they talked about that? You versus Ronda Rousey would be huge. Yeah, it would be great. You know, that would be great. And um, no, we 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 haven't talked about any girl in particular. 
we just talk about like maybe uh, fighting the next um, events, you know. But it would be great fight Roman. Do you think you would ever get that opportunity? Is this something that you're going to try to push for? No, I'm waiting for the event to 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 find who who they want me to fight. You know, I can fight any girl in my division, no problem. How many more years do you want to compete for? Um, I'm at 28 years old right now, so I think I can I can go to like uh, 30, 32. You know, still have a couple of years left, but. I want to have babies, get married. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, everyone does. Now, I follow you on Twitter, of course, twitter.com slash Gracie, and often you are uh, tweeting about the Gracie Adventure Camp. What is that? Exactly. It's like a Gracie family meeting. Um, not Right now, like, we have people are living all over the world. We have Roger living in London. Hansel lives in New York. I live in um, Brazil. Hino lives in, in Miami. So we got every year we get together for a week. And we spend some time with uh, uh, with our family. We train jujitsu, you know. We exchange some uh, techniques. And now we're uh, we are welcome uh, uh, the the students, so they can be part of the Gracie family outside of the mat as well. So we train, we have fun, you know. We have uh, sightseeing, you know, a lot of things. So it's, uh, it's the third year we're doing this, and uh, it's a huge success. And, we have a lot of fun, so if you guys want to check it out, it's GracieAdventureCamp.com. Do you eat a lot of acai on these trips? Because I've become obsessed with acai. I, when I was there in uh, Rio a couple weeks ago, I had it six times in 72 hours. Is this something <laughs> that is served at the Gracie Adventure Camp? Yes, for sure. We're going to have a oh. lot of acai fruits oh, and uh, wow. coconut water, everything. You wow. should join us, Ariel. Wow, wow. Well, that's all I need to know. Forget about the jujitsu. I'll just come for the SIE. That's great. So it's yeah. GracieAdventureCamp.com. Uh, that's how you can learn more about it. Kira, thank you so much. Really great having you on the show. And uh, I hope maybe one day we'll see you fight in MMA. I think that'll be a great story. But I understand your plate is full right now. Uh, continued success to you. Good luck with the TV stuff. And we'll be watching you in uh, Abu Dhabi in a few months. So the Abu Dhabi tournament, of course, in China. Yes, thank you, Ariel. was a... Uh... Great pleasure being here with you guys, and uh, see you in the next UFC event. All right. There she is, Kira Gracie, joining us via Skype, via Brazil. That's awesome. Great to have her on the show. Uh, You can follow her on Twitter, twitter.com slash Kira Gracie, the princess of the Gracie family. In a minute, we will be uh, joined by the one and only, the inimitable, the often, imitate, often imitated, never duplicated, Valid Ishmael. He'll be stopping by. Valid Ishmael. You may know him if you're just kind of a casual UFC fan. You may know him as the guy from the Eric Silva interviews. Um, he was, as I mentioned earlier, with uh, Yuri Alcantara earlier. Um, uh, on Saturday, he was with him in Boston against uh, Uriah Faber. You may know him as that guy, but this is a man who has a lot more to him. He is the promoter, the founder of Jungle Fight. They have another event coming up on Saturday. We'll talk to him about that. He is also, uh, in, in, in many ways, a jiu-jitsu legend, um, a, a fighting legend out of Brazil. This is a guy who has had actual many run-ins with the Gracie family, um, Valid Ishmael and Hyan Gracie, the late Hyan Gracie, was a, a feud uh, back in the day. Um, competed against Hoist Gracie, defeated Hoist Gracie in a jiu-jitsu match. This is a guy who uh, is somewhat notorious in the world 
of jiu-jitsu in Brazil. Many stories about him. All you have to do is a quick Google search about Valid Ishmael, and you'll see some some pretty amazing stories um, uh, about Valid. Uh, like I said, quite the character. And uh, I saw him in Boston. I was actually at the gym in the hotel, and he was there. And he's so charismatic. He's so passionate about the world of mixed martial arts. And then it kind of hit me. We need to have this guy on the show. And he has a card coming up, Jungle Fight 56. Jungle Fight, and you look back at the history of Jungle Fight, which has been around since 2003. I mean, even looking at the first Jungle Fight, I was looking at this card yesterday. The very first Jungle Fight, Jacare Souza was in the main event. He actually lost. Um, Cyborg Santos fought. Lyoto Machida fought Stefan Bonner. Um, and Lyoto defeated Stefan via first-round TKO, Dr. Stoppage. Uh, Fabricio Verdum fought Gabriel Gonzaga. Verdum won via TKO. Justin McCulley was on the card. I mean, you look at the history of Jungle Fight, this man, he put on some great shows, and he is continuing to do that, and he's probably the most successful... This is, this is probably a question for Guilherme Cruz, um, but the most successful kind of local... Uh, organization in brazil also working with the government over there so the man is is doing good stuff and this is before the the boom of mixed martial arts in brazil this is before it got really popular following the anderson silva vitor belfort fight just a couple of years ago ufc 134 the ufc returned to brazil after many many years away over a decade away and uh, he was doing it before it was cool, before, when it was kind of the dark days of MMA. I, I was talking to Marcelo Alonso, who I call the godfather of Brazilian journalism, uh, Brazilian MMA journalism, and he was telling me about this crazy story about how um, back then Luta Livre was uh, on television in, um, in Brazil in the 90s, but then it was like some strange story, and I don't have it right, I don't remember it right now, but it was like, one of the Gracie family members um, was started to date the head of Globo, which is like the big Fox, the, the major network over there. It's like a media giant over there. He started to like date his wife. And as a result, they pulled it and they said, never again, no Gracie's on TV, no MMA on TV, all this stuff. Crazy story. Maybe... Uh, Maybe Vali could shed some light for us. But first, let's go to the Skype machine and welcome in. So excited to have this man on the show. Valid, how are you, my friend? Wonderful, man. Wonderful. Just come back from Brazil, from UFC. And let me hear work, work for the next Jungle Fight live on ESPN Deportes on August 24, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to talk to you about that in a second. But first, let's talk about Boston. What happened with Yuri? It looked so good to start off. What happened? I'm going to tell you. This guy make a miracle. You know what I mean? This guy trained in Belém do Pará. He trained in the north of the country. You understand? Yes. And he, he, he was wearing, you know what I mean? But Wyatt Faber made what he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Put it down and keep the fight, but almost Almost Yuri finished him in the first round, but almost not count. You understand? And the Iron Faber won. Congrats to him. And now Yuri gonna make a camp in the United States. Oh, okay. Part of this loss, we worked with three major 
coat to see which one he gonna be trained, he and his brother, because he need a evolution his wrestling. You know what I mean? The weak, only weak, not weak part, because he even he put Iron Faber in the beginning down, but his yes, his weak part is the wrestling. And this he need improve and the tactic, you know what I mean? He's very aggressive guy. He's not a tactic guy, but he gave a good show. I think the most important. He gave the he gave the good show and was very important for UFC. I think the show was amazing. I think the show in Boston was amazing. I believe it's gonna get the biggest rating of MMA history in the United States. I hope that. Well, Vali, by the way, I want to see your wonderful face. You don't have to put your face so low to the computer. Yes, I want to see that smile there. We can hear you just fine. Okay, okay. You see, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you, Ariel. You see, I know. I'm from guy from the north, not the guy from the United States, from the Canada. Wow. Yes. You know, making me, making me happy. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you keep saying from the north? What does that mean when you're from the north of Brazil? The north from Brazil, when we need, we need the hassle. We like. It's like the guy, I don't know how to say, call Caboclo. You know, in the, in the long time ago, it was a big prodigy here from the guys come from the north. Say, like, the guys is like a caipira. I don't know how to translate this. It's like the guy really, no, the guy have, like, really from the small cities. How call in the United States? Oh, yeah, you know, okay. like, a, um... <laughs> Not so much like a small town boy. Like, a, are you saying like a redneck type of thing? No, redneck. No, not redneck. <laughs> Say like a like, like a small town guy. Yeah, like a small town guy. You okay, I mean? you're from there too. I, are you from there too, the north? Yeah, I'm from Amazon. I'm from the Amazon state. I'm born in the Amazon state. I come to Rio to train with Carson Grace on '84. Like you will the beginner of of MMA, like your like, valitude on the time. Not the beginner, but few people know that. On 84, 83 was the last year I had MMA in Brazil, uh, valitude, no rules bar in Brazil. And I came to Rio in 84, and in 91, I was brown belt. I challenged the Luta Livre guys. And we have a big fight on TV in Brazil in 9-1. And this bring back valitude, like no rules, bar, no rules bar to Brazil. It's really interesting. Like I have in the time 22 or 23 years old. And I challenged the, uh, the Luta Livre guys. And you have a big fight. Three guys from Jiu-Jitsu was me, Murilo Bustamante, and Fabio Gurgel against three guys from Luta Livre was Eugênio Tadeu and two another guys, I forgot the name. And we beat all the three guys. And it was like on beginner of the coming back of Valitudo to Brazil. After about seven years, don't have a fight. I go to newspaper. I went to newspaper and he challenged the guys. And it was wonderful. Isn't and it true? This... Go ahead, go ahead. And this was the beginning of the really MMA back in Brazil. And the few people know, I start to bring it back. Like, I tell you, man, my history in the sport is big. I tell you something. I was, 
I never did nothing beside fight. All my life, 100% was involved in fight business. Even when I sleep in the gym. When I have 14 years old, Carson Grace is like my second father on the time. Let me sleep in the gym, clean the gym. You know what I mean? Like really work in the gym. Because this I, I stay in his side all my life. To the day he's died, I always honor his name. I was loyal to him because I believe in the sport of MMA, in the mixed martial art, still have place for loyalty and gratitude. This never, if you see the guy is not loyal or don't have gratitude, this guy is not a good char- character. You mentioned the the sort of uh, return of MMA in Brazil in the early 90s, that event you talked about. But is it not true that uh, it kind of disappeared for a while because there was this issue with the, the, the head of Globo and his wife and one of the Gracie family members, and then he swore to never put it on TV? Is that not true? No, I think it's not. Okay. I, 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 the first time, I think now I'm sure it's not. Okay. I, I know that real what happened. Okay. It was much more complicated to that. But you know, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm another guy today. I, you know what I mean. I have a big appreciation for the another side of the family. I'm gonna talk about that, but not was that. This is I, the first time in my life I heard that. You, you, Believe me, if I not heard, yeah, it's not true because nobody who work in this sport know things about the sport. <laughs> more than me because I just do that. I live in the gym. I'm not the guy outsider. You know what I mean? I, I, I tell the people, I not count the history. You know what I mean? I'm not the story, history teller. How say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teller. Historian. I'm not a yeah, history, history teller. You know what I mean? I make, I, I part and I make part of MMA history. Absolutely. You're a big part of it. In Brazil, yeah. and even you, you compete in Pride and whatnot, you had a, a, a big rivalry with the Gracie family. What's your relationship like with the Gracie family now? The war. Kira so, was in the, in the radio station, or she going to be? No, she because just came on. You, got, you can ask. Kira told me to Marcelo Alonso. Marcelo Alonso is the biggest reporter here. The Godfather. She, she told him, I grow up. Look, valid like a devil, <laughs> <laughs> and now I have a great relationship with the another side with the family. I have a great relationship with Renzo and with all the family because one thing, the another side of the family, I always say, you know, valid talk a lot of things. He fought, he he make us crazy, but he always was loyal to my uncle, and the, you know, men appreciate loyalty if even your enemy is a have a good character and is a loyalty to his like or his master and even Renzo say that but it always was loyalty even the day my uncle died and it is a priceless and I believe this is a priceless loyalty is still have a place in the MMA uh, so Jungle Fight, it, it comes out in 2003. You started it. It's still going very strong. Why did you think that this was something that could work in Brazil? When, let's be honest, back then, MMA wasn't as popular as it is today. So why then, and how has it remained successful all these years? Oh, man, this is my life. <laughs> I born. <laughs> I born in MMA. 
You understand? I, I bring it back to Brazil in 9-1. Make the research in the internet. I think before the 9-1 was 8-4, the last MMA show had here. You understand? Like my life is dedicated to MMA. To a, now, MMA who created is, was UFC. My life is created to the fight business. You understand? Mm-hmm. I talk about MMA because the people know MMA. But the, the name on the time was No Rules Bar. Yes, No Rules Bar. NHB. Yeah, NHB. And I'm glad the Fertitas brother and, the, and the Dan White made what made it to the sport right now because now is the sport. I really believe, I truly believe if Dan White and the Fertitta brothers not work, not buy UFC, not work the, with UFC, not to put a lot of money, few people know these guys put almost $50 million suck in UFC $50 million before start to, ve- to see a dollar back. And this is a price less. You know, always you tease me. You tease me, you tell me, oh, you got, always you, get, you give a prop for <laughs> Dan White. Yes, you need to give it too. Because if yes. you're not him, you're not going to be in the radio station right now. You're even not going to work in MMA. I think nine, even MMA maybe not exist. Because the box commission at the time was so strong, Wanna finish? I was in the UFC. We're gonna do the show in Niagara Falls, and we need to move to another city. I think for New Orleans on the time. I'm not remember. Long time ago. Mm-hmm. You understand? I think it was Birmingham. I, I think it was Alabama. The... Yes, it was in Alabama. Yes, Alabama. You understand? Yeah. I was there. If not Fetita Brothers, Dan White, I think the UFC is gone. You understand? I'm glad. Hours are going to still give you a prop. Yes. And you need to do two hours. I, I agree. Right. We, we need to give him. And I, say, I have said it. If it wasn't for them, there would be uh, no MMA. We wouldn't have this job. So tell me about Jungle Fight. Where did the idea come to do this uh, organization? And how have you remained successful? Now, man, the idea was with Inoki at the time. He was a, a, a director producer of, of Pride. And hours he liked environment. And to, to 2003, you know, I from Amazon, I told him, hey, let's go do a show. I always have a mind, a mind business, you understand? Yeah. Always, yeah. always. And I, I, the funny part, I met him in the aeroplane. And I talked to him, he started to represent me. One of his companies started to represent me in, in Japan. And when I have 35, 34 years old, going to do 25, 35, uh, uh, 35, I told him, hey, let's go do an, one event in Brazil called Jungle Fight to bring the world attention for the Amazon rainforest. He loved the idea. In the hard way, he bring the press. We gave a big press and you did a big show. A big show in the Amazon was a big success. And keeping my side, the Jungle Fight 1, 2, and 3. And he had some problem with his partner in Japan. Don't want to stay with my side. And he left Jungle Fight and said, hey, you keep the Jungle Fight, you do it. And I keep doing it. You know what I mean? Few people believe I move forward because on the time I was, I, I still valid a fighter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I really 
a really little bit crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, but he taught me a lot. Inoki taught me a lot how to do business, how to work with everybody, not to have a team because the promoter cannot have a team because the big prague, prague, I don't know how the name, the big disease in yeah. Brazil right now, what spread is the coats have a show. Mm. Have the show just to make cartel, just to make share dog, like just to make a cartel. Yeah. I'm going to ask and share dog not put this, the record, if the coat, if the coat is the president of the show, if the coat choose the fighters, the opponent for his student, cannot count mm. the record. You know what I mean? Because yeah. this is a biggest joke. It's a joke. This can kill our sport. Is the trainer choose the opponent for his student? This is a joke. This is my big fight in Brazil right now. The trainer cannot have a show. The trainer cannot choose the fighters for his student. So let me ask you, Valid. I mean, uh, you know, we see a lot of these guys come to the UFC 30 and 1, 32. A lot of guys, you know, probably the most famous gym is Novo Niao. I mean, is that what they're doing there? Is that what you're telling me? There's no doubt about. He's the, I, don't, I don't talk about, he's a great coach. Great coach. Talk Who? about that there. He's a great coach. Andre Pedeneris. Yeah, Andre Pedeneris is a great coach. I like him. He was the Castle Grace team. Right. But even I tell him, don't do that because it's bad for the sport. It's bad for the sport. It's good for you, for your team, but it's bad for the sport. But it's good. the good part is Sean and Joe Silva know it. You know what I mean? Mm. Know it. Even Sean told me, oh, some guy sent me 30 -0. I say, hey, the guy fighting, I don't know the name of the guy. But if you saw, Joe, if the guy fight in, in the tournament of his coat, not count. This is a joke. And he laughed. He said, but they do too much. I said, this is true. This is true. You know what I mean? He need to really have a fight where he really can show what is coming. You know what I mean? Sure. He can show he's really good. In jungle fight, have this aspect. You know what I mean? Jungle fight, you know, the fighter asking me, who are you going to fight? I say, hey, the guy have two arms and two legs. Be prepared. Be, be prepared for anyone. And the coach called me, oh, but he want my fight, fight in your show. Who he going to fight? I say, hey, you know, don't ask him this question. Tell him to be prepared. And the coach just sent me the guys, is a really prepared. You understand? Sure. If not prepared, he's going to lose. Because beside UFC, I have no doubt about, I have the best fighters in the world. A real mind league. Because UFC just have one World Cup. UFC is the World Cup of MMA. And the jungle fights is like a Latin America Cup. Well, let, me, let me ask you, Valid. I mean, uh, lately UFC is putting on a lot of events there in Brazil. Is that hurting you? And also, to, to that degree, they're taking a lot of your fighters. Does that hurt your, your I organization? I love it. You're kidding me. You love it? I'm Why? the minor league. I'm the minor league. You want to be the minor league. You don't want to compete. How, how, it's just stupid you want to compete with UFC. You know what I mean? I saw one guy, like, you know what I mean? He's like, forget about it. Why compete? 
just have one World Cup. But if they're putting on so many events there, does it does does it make it less likely that people are going to buy tickets to your shows? You're kidding me. He make this sport. UFC made this sport. Actually, I go to TV, tell him, you know, when the invest in UFC have much more return that invest in soccer. Mm. The soccer World Cup is going to be a billions and billion dollars going to spend. You know what I mean? And the UFC bring more attention from the United States than soccer. Because nobody likes soccer in the United States, but everybody wants the Americans come to Brazil to visit Brazil. Who bring more attention? I have no doubt about the UFC bringing more attention to Brazil. This I tell everybody here. I am the biggest support. Even UFC don't need my support. But I love UFC. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was there, I see Yuri fight. You know what I mean? This is a priceless. I tell people, you like soccer? Go watch UFC. Go watch Jungle Fight. You're never going to watch soccer again. You know, when the soccer player gets tired, ask for the, for the coach. Hey, please, substitution. Yeah. In UFC, you cannot ask for substitution. You need to be ready. It's a war. You go to basketball, the guy get tired, the coach, oh, time out, time out. This is a joke. The real sport, no time out. You need to be a warrior to do. Is MMA, is UFC, because UFC is the World Cup. Cannot hurt, he just give benefit. Why? Because show the world is a real sport. Is the, the best sport in the world. And we walk to be UFC, no doubt, is walk to be the biggest sport in the world. I have no doubt about it. I'm curious to see how many people, you imagine, hmm. Fox One go to more than 23 million houses. It's the dream come true. You know, in Brazil, we have our dream come true. In Brazil, UFC get 14 points, 14 points in more than 20 million houses. The people say, oh, UFC going slow in Brazil. Not. UFC is big to every, any time. One show before the last show was 10 points. Last show was 14 points. And I told Dan White, he need to come to Brazil. Because Dan White, his personality, his love for the sport is still doing great. He still make the difference. But let's go talk about... You know, so, I love so much yeah. UFC. I'm going to talk about yeah. UFC all, all shows. Let, let me ask you, so when, they, when they sign people from Jungle Fight, you then manage them? Like, what's your relationship with these guys? Because I see you with Yuri, but, Eric Silva. What, How does that work? Very interesting. Every guy come to Jungle Fight. And, 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 and stand back. I want to see your beautiful face. I see your, uh-huh. your head now. Yes, there you are. The, every guy for Jungle Fight yeah. signed to Jungle Fight for two years. Okay. Okay. Every fight, every fight, I have the same, the same, like treatment. When the guy get the title, I give monthly support for the guy, because I know when the guy got get the title, he really ready to go to UFC. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. The big title, the major title. You understand? 
And this have a company work with me, manage the guys, because I support the guys monthly payment. But before the guy be the champion, have no support. But even when the guys is champion, now UFC is too full. Have so many people in UFC, so many fighters. The guy is still defend his title in UFC. If UFC need him, just Joe ask me, he go to UFC. It's like a trial, you understand? Sure. It's not it's not like it's like it's not in the paper but in the word. And Joe Silva and Sean say, hey, I know the best guys in UFC because I know the tough guys. You can see. I'm going to name it. The only loss Jose Aldo has was in Jungle Fight. Yep. The last show Renan Barão did in Brazil was Jungle Fight. Fabrício Verdun started Jungle Fight. Jacaré started Jungle Fight. Man, name it. Mother, Machida, Nathan, right? Machida was there. His first fight was against Stephen Bonner. Yeah. Stephen Bonner was the finalist for the, I think it was the, he's get all the credit to be, credit to be Hall of Fame. Because his fight in the, in the, in the final for the reality show was very important for the sport. You understand? And he come from Jungle Fight. He fought in Jungle Fight. No doubt, I have the credibility to have the best fighters in the world not fight, not sign with UFC. And when the guy is the champion of the jungle fight, he's a really the champion. He's not the champion to be my student. He's not champion to be my friend. He's champion, champion because he deserves. You understand? It's a tough. I, you know... Even I have one problem today. I have one guy who is really good, but if the guy don't have a strong spirit, he cannot he cannot fight in jungle fight. What happened? Because Valid, what happened with John Lineker? John Lineker, what happened? He was the champion. Yeah. I support him. Yeah. You know when he won, when when he won, I call him, tell him, hey. How much you he 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 work in the port, like you know the the guy get the things to put in the ship. How how call that? Oh yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, work in the ship. You sure. know what I mean. Work in the port to put the things in the ship. I say how much you make per month. In the time he say seven hundred heels. I say now you don't need work more in the in the ship, in the port. You understand? You I gonna pay you per month because you won the jungle fight title for sure. You are good. And you're gonna make. And he stopped to work in the shop in the in the port. But in the time he going to fight he, I think it was New Jersey. I not was be able to go with him. And his coat have a problem with the visa. Just walk arrived two days before the fight. You understand? Yeah. And or the day of the fight. And he stayed one week. And the guy who worked with me, the Bebel. Tell one guy there was a manager, please help Valid take care of John Linick in the States. You yeah. understand? Yeah. Alex Davis, right? Uh, yes. And this guy talked to Linick, and after that, Linick stayed with him. You understand? But it is what it is. But I'm glad he's doing great in UFC. You understand? Mm -hmm. I don't I don't be poor. You know what I mean? 
The only things I love it. The people don't understand. I put money in the game because I love the game. I love to go to UFC. I go to UFC. I was crazy, man. I see house pack. I know 93 million gonna watch the show. It's like the dream come true. You know what I mean? You're Fuck, happy. I'm gonna <laughs> come back about UFC. Yeah. But let me tell you. Sure. This is what happened. I have the best guys. Who gonna see Jungle Fight on ESPN, on ESPN Deportes? If you, even you don't speak Spanish, yeah. get ESPN Deport because you're gonna see a Warriors. You're not gonna see the guy hold each other. I tell the guy, if you walk back, you know, the last two shows, the guy get out, the guy wanna one by point, I go for, I go for, for him, the time he walk for out of the cage, you far. Wow. You not fight like a lion. You fight two one by point. The guys fight one by point, not fight in jungle fight. Fight is a show. You don't wanna give a show, go home. Wow. Or fight for another organization. Val fight for your culture organization. You understand? Because now is a big a big thing in Brazil is the coat do the show inside the gym and share dog put in share dog. This is the biggest mistake. Valid, you know, this interview, the passion coming out and some of the things that you're saying is one of our, my favorite interviews in the history of the show. You're, you're one of a kind. You're, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, you're often imitated, never duplicated. And it reminds me of a famous other interview in, uh, in our show's history. I just want to play you a little clip and get your thoughts on this, okay? I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going <laughs> to see you in the zero again. <laughs> here, here we go. Here's the clip. Valid, what do you think about this? The people, the people see him fight. The people see him give the heart, the mind, the blood. He's gonna shoot the blood in his opponent's eye. Do you understand? Everywhere you look, left, right, he's covered in blood. He's feel, he's feel ready for this. He's ready to do well in MMA. MMA, he is the big sport in the world. Eric Silva showed this. You understand? It's all thanks. To Dana White. Dana White, without the him, we have nothing. Dana White, for you, I would <laughs> kill my son. Okay, okay. But what was that? Take, take off pre-bag. What was that, Valid? You're not going to be a reporter, MMA reporter, if you're not Dana White and Lorenzo <laughs> and Frank. What do you think you about that? Do you, do you like that? Who, who not get, give the prop for these guys? Not deserve to be in this sport. What do you think about that? Do you, do you think, think he did? About that. No. What do you think about the imitation? Do you think it was good or no? It was the past. <laughs> this motherfucker is good. I, this motherfucker is good. Oh wow! I, on the time, I don't know if I want to kiss, uh, kick his ass or I laugh a lot. <laughs> I think it's fun. a big compliment. I think it's a big it's a, that he would choose no, to imitate you. I, I joke. I'm joking. For sure, I laugh. You're kidding me. Oh wow! Laugh a lot. That, that was the one. It's of... nice. The people, man. The people. Everybody talk to me. Say, Bali, he's doing the same. <laughs> Actually, if you close the eyes, I say, fuck. Is me talk to that because he almost say everything what I say. Yeah. Because it's true. Let me tell. I'm not a bullshitter. Right. I'm born in this sport. You know, I'm the time I go to the street in Brazil. In Brazil, not in the United States. In Brazil, I say, hey, I do 
no who's bar. Oh, it's a pro wrestling. It's not a pro wrestling. It's a fight. It's a real world. It's not a fake. I hate pro wrestling on the time. Really? You understand? Yeah, yeah, it's fake. When people compare, when people compare no who's bar to a pro wrestling, I was crazy. You understand? When they see the sport going, what they really believe is going to be, for sure I'm going to give a prop to who deserve. And I work my heart off. On Sunday, I make my card for September show because I'm going to do Jungle Fight on August 24. Yeah. Live on ESPN Deportes, 9 p.m. East time. The next show is going to be September 7th. Live on ESPN. On ESPN. The next one's gonna be September 14. Live on ESPN Deportes. Few people knows. You know, I don't know which show was. Have another mine league in the state it was in Fox Time. Mm. Fox Left. And we was in ESPN Deportes. We beat this this American League. Wow. Talk to big league in the ratings. I have this on the papers. This Latin, this American League did 0.17. We did 0.49. You, was it Bellator? Day. Bellator? <laughs> you want to say, yeah, I don't want to talk about Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. I thought you didn't remember. Okay, I, you don't like Bellator. No, I not don't like. You know what I mean? I like Bellator. He do a, a, a okay job for the minor league. Yeah. The guy raised money. You know what I mean? Sure. And they do the MMA show. It's good for him. But, you know what I mean? I, and he, he loved to call, like, oh, it's a big league. Oh, it's a this, a that. I know. I like Bellator. It's good for give job for the minor league. My, my fight is just fighting. The, if it's going to be minor league, stay in jungle fight. Not go for another minor league. Valid, you were it's talking... League, Staying jungle fight. You were, you know, I feel like I could talk to you for three hours. I enjoyed so much. But uh, you were mentioning that your first show, you had this guy who fought Stefan Bonner. He made his uh, MMA debut, Lyoto Machida. Right? We have Lyoto Machida on the phone right now. Do you want to say hello to him, the Dragon? Hey, what's up, Lyoto Machida? Hey, Kaboko. Hi. Where him? He's on the phone. You hear him? Yes, I'm here. You hear him, Valid? You hear me? Oh, come on, Lioto. Now speak English. I remember Lioto first arrived in the States. <laughs> uh, Lioto. How you Lioto, Machida? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was first time here, uh, I met Valide in L.A. He helped me a lot. Wow. Uh, this is very nice. I'm going to tell this guy deserves everything good in his life. Because, because you know what? This guy's a whole model, man. The time he arrived in the in Los Angeles, he don't wanna come to vacation. He don't he not go to Los Angeles to go to party. This guy just training. You know what I mean? He live in the gym in Japan. You know what I mean? Like a samurai. I think the his father created him, raised him to be a really a fighter. He's a family he's a family guy. Grow up to be the best MMA fighter. And, and he was, he's gonna be again. I yeah, believe very much. And come from Jungle Fight. Yes. This is the best part, Leo. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. 
Okay, uh, Valid, we thank you very much. We're going to talk to Lioto now. Thank you so much. We're going to watch Jungle Fight 56 this Saturday, 9 p.m. ESPN Deportes. We're going to have you on every week. We loved having you on, Valid. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care, Lioto. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Valid. Bye. Uh, okay, Lioto, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. By the way, what was it like fighting on that first show, Jungle Fight? Do you remember? Against Stefan Bonner. Yeah, yeah it's my first, my first fight in, in Brazil was against Stefan Bonner in Jungle Fight. Well, do you remember? Did you think that the, the organization would be around for 10 years? It's, uh, it's pretty amazing, right? Yes, yeah, it's amazing because 10 years for organization is very difficult, we know. A lot of a lot of things to do, many many events. Then congratulations to Valid Ismail because he's a great guy, he's a great manager, and used to a great used to be a great fight too. So before we talk about your future, I just want to ask you: Are you over the loss to Phil Davis, or are you still bothered? Do you still think you deserve to win that fight? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I lost that that fight against two days, but I. I'm not convincing, convincing that fight because I think it's not, it's not fair. It wasn't fair for me. And I would like to do another fight. So you still want to rematch him because now there's, uh, there's a lot of talk. Let's go through the list. First, last week, you said you wanted to fight Vitor Belfort. Then it came out that uh, Dana White was considering Nick Diaz. Then on Saturday, you said you wanted to fight Chael Sonnen. Who do you want to fight next? No, I, I just want to do a, a big fight, you know. Uh, Bill Foy is the, the first name in the list because he's a great name. He's a, he's a great opponent. I have all, all respect for him. But I think Bill Foy is a perfect opponent for me in this time. But he hasn't accepted that fight. Then, Dana I told that about Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz is a great opponent to chew. But, you know, I just waited for the UFC. Then last Saturday, I saw the fight Chogun against the Sony, and I saw the great opportunity to fight against Sony too, because Sony is a great name, is a, a big name in the, in the around of the road. Then I think he, I can I can beat him. And he he, he talked bad about me in, in the back in the days. Right. Which do you prefer, Sonnen or Belfort? Hey, either one, either <laughs> one, but <laughs> no problem for me. I can fight with both, but if this fight is going to happen in Brazil, I prefer to fight against Vitor Belfort because Vitor Belfort is a great name, a big name in Brazil, too. Then, but the fight, the fight is going to be on around the, the world. You can fight uh, whoever. That's America. Is it true that you're very, uh, you, you're upset at uh, Vitor Belfort because at UFC 152 he wore a t-shirt that in uh, Portuguese said essentially your son doesn't walk away from a fight and you thought that that was an insult. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. But at that time I supposed to fight against Jonas but I didn't have time enough to preparation. Then I said I can't, I couldn't fight. Then Vitor Belfort said about that. Then now my turn. I try. I can say for him, I can say for him the same words because now I have a, uh, I, I did a challenge. I, I challenged him. Then he avoided this fight. He said no. 
I don't know why, but he has to follow what he said. That's right. Do you feel like he's going to accept it, or do you, do you know that he actually did turn down the fight? I don't know. I don't know. Really, I don't know. But everybody has your own reason for accept or not accept the fight. I respect him. I just say Vitor for because it's, that's what I told you. He's a, a big name in the Brazil and around the world. I think he's a, a great point for me this time. But I don't know. It doesn't matter for me what the reason. He has, he no accept this fight. But hey, the life is keep the life is going on. Right. Uh, will your next fight be at 185 or 205? Hey man, I can't. You know, I'm not too heavy for my my class. Then I can fight 185 too, and I can I can fight in both class. Then if Dana White needs me in 185, I can fight. Even if that fight gonna be tomorrow. So 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 Vitor Belfort, would you rather at light heavyweight or middleweight? Maybe middleweight is a is a good idea because if I beat him middleweight. Hey, I'm, I'm, I can consider uh, next contender. Maybe yeah. who knows? But, 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 what if your friend Anderson Silva is the champion? Hey, but you know, the <laughs> the features belong to God, to God. You know? Right, a lot. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but Anderson, he's not a champion anymore. But he, he, he has a big challenge uh, at the end of the year against Wyden again. I believe in Anderson, but, you know, each fight is, uh, has a special, special moment, a special, special time. And nobody knows, but I, I think Anderson can become champion again. So the next time we see you fight, Lyoto, are you going to fight differently? Because in your last two fights... You know, obviously you've been kind of the same throughout your career, but you've been criticized. And, and in this last fight, you know, some, some said that if you were a little more aggressive, you would have won. And the Henderson fight, you were criticized as well. Are you going to fight more aggressively so that you can win these fights if they go the distance to the judges? Yeah, I promise. I promise my next fight, I'll put, I'll put in my best performance. I try. Hey, but the last fight I try all the time. I, I was looking for Davis inside the octagon, but he run away all the time. He just circle, uh, walk in the circle and try to take me down in the, at, at the end of the round, you know? But I was looking for the fight, but he, he's wrestling. I don't know what happened. He just, but he just landed me, but no hit me. He landed a lot, but no hit me any time, you know? But the next time, yeah, I was looking for the fight all the time. Hey, but, uh, I just want a, a next chance. So do you, do you feel pressure now going into this next fight because your last two fights were somewhat controversial? No, hey, I'm 35 years old. I'm very veteran fight. I have a lot of fights in my career. I, I'm used to... I'm used to... with uh, a, a pressure, you know, I'm used. Then I don't think about that. I just uh, I just put put in my focus in my opponent, and but I know I have, I have to change something. I know, and I'll try this. Are you gonna Are you gonna still work with Melvin Manhoof? You worked with him prior to the Dan Henderson fight, but I didn't see him in your corner for the uh, Phil Davis fight. Yeah, because I just had a, a 
a short time with Milton Mayoff. He's a, he's, a, he's a great teacher. He knows many things, but maybe next time, next time I'll train him more time with him. Uh, I spend this, but we don't know yet because Melvin Mayoff, he lives in, in Amsterdam, Holland. Mm. Sometimes it's very difficult to, to find him. You know, recently a video came out. It made very big news. Did you, in fact, uh, drink the urine of a of a, a a female TV host in Brazil? Was that hers? Because I the way I saw it was it was yours, but people are saying that it was hers that you drank. What exactly happened? Sorry, sorry. Can you repeat? Can you repeat, please? Did you drink the? What's that? Go slowly. Okay, go slow. Did you drink the urine? of a female, of a woman TV host in Brazil. This video is online of you drinking. Is that true? No, it's not true. It's just a, was a joking. But everybody asking about that for me. But, no, just just for show, just for TV. You know, but ah. I, 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 never did. I never did it. I just drink my own urine. Your own, you still Don't do that? <laughs> I know. I was very concerned. I, I didn't think your wife would like that. Did you do you still drink your own urine every morning? Yeah, every no, my, morning. Uh, sometimes, I, no. My my daddy, my my father, he 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 does every morning. But I'm just a couple times, you know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I stop. Depends. But my 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 father is very strict with this. Yeah. When was the last time you did it? Sorry. When was the last time you you drank your own urine? Maybe one month, one month ago. Oh, okay. Do you suggest I do it? Should I try it at least once? George? Should I Ooh. try it? Should I try it? Do you, you suggest everyone does it at least once in their life? Yeah, yeah. You, you have to, <laughs> no? You have to. <laughs> okay, final thing. Last question, Lioto. What is your message for Vitor Belfort? He's listening right now. I know it. He, he called me yesterday. What is your message for him? I don't have any message for him. I oh. just challenge him. But you know, uh, he has he, his own reason. If he he not accept that fight, but I respect his opinion. But I just I just would like to fight with him. I just want to uh, try to put my technique against his technique, you know, and do a great show in Brazil or, or around the world. It doesn't matter for me, but. I don't have any any message for him. Okay, that's good enough for me. Thank you so much, Lioto. It's great having you on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate you. There he is. Lioto Machida stopping by. How about that English? Improving greatly. In Brazil, at UFC 163, they were giving out head and shoulders, uh, what are they, bottles with his picture on it. He's a big star over in Brazil. And as you heard from Valid... It's a big sport over there. It's a big deal. I like I like the idea of Lioto versus Vitor. At this point, Lioto Vitor, Chael versus Vanderlei might as well do it. Although Chael versus Vitor at this point would be massive, but I just feel like that's that's what Chael wants. It's in his heart. There's that rivalry there. I mean, it'd be a shame at this point not to give the people Chael versus Vanderlei. So you have two matchups right there. Make it happen. I know Lyoto's coming off a loss, but in many people's eyes, it was a win, and there aren't many options for Lyoto, uh, for, for Vitor. Uh, Gegar Musasi is out there banging the drum, and certainly an option, but I have a feeling they want Vitor to fight before 
Gegar would be ready around December or January. So I feel like those two matchups are just layups. People like both of them. Make them happen. Uh, so that does it for our interviews this week. Now let's answer some questions. Do we have some questions to answer? We do. Before we get to the questions, sure. Um, I, I hear um, speakers just went down. Okay. Uh, just to recap, Saturday night, uh, unfortunately, my mother went three and three. Not not a horrible showing. I mean, she didn't dip below five hundred. Uh, so what what did I say she was? She was eleven and uh, eleven and four. Um, how did you do? I mean, cause, uh, cause I heard you actually put legitimate money on the line in terms of my own bets. I, yeah. I made some money. I, I bet on, uh, Uriah Faber, Chael Sonnen as an underdog, which still baffles my mind. Um, I'm not sure what people were seeing in the lead up to the fight that changed, uh, the line so drastically from Sonnen being the favorite, um, all the way to as much as plus 140, um, at five dimes. Um, I'm not sure what they saw in that time that that made the line swing that much, um, but I was definitely happy about it because I got him at a at a great price, um, and I also bet on John Howard. Wow, look at you, the big upset of the night. Well, I mean, he was the biggest underdog, and uh, last week I actually explained that. We actually have a clip, in fact. Oh my gosh. You can actually we, have a clip because you know the. Can we? It's can we funny. That I was actually not going to. Uh, I was actually going to refute your your claim of. Oh, were this. you? Yes, you actually well, have a clip. Okay, let's go to the. Let's clip. go to the videotape. The wow. video evidence, and then this is the most interesting one to me. Uriah Hall, once again, a huge favorite. Mm. Minus five fifteen mm. for a guy who just lost his uh, UFC UFC debut over John Howard at plus three seventy five. I might even go so far as to say I would take Howard outright. Wow. Um, but I would definitely jump all over him at th- plus 375. Dry Hall has d- shown that he's an adept striker. Absolutely. He's, in, he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. But John Howard, you know, isn't just some dude off the street. This guy's had some battles in the UFC and I think he's got the first of all I don't think he's gonna stand with uh Uriah Hall as long as he seemed to indicate in the interview I think he might go for takedowns he might try and mix it up sure he's gonna stand for a certain amount of time and throw some bombs at him but I think he might mix in the grappling a little bit and I I might favor Howard Look at you. There it is. Look at you actually going out into the archives and uh, picking up your own clip there. There it is. You, why, why did you feel the need to do that? For the haters? Well, you just said yourself you were about hmm. to dispute it. Um, so it's a good thing I did. Wow. So is that, would you say that's the greatest pick you've ever made? No. Not no? even close. I, th- I honestly thought that that was like a relatively easy um, line to pick. Now, I'm not saying it's easy to pick Howard over um, Uriah Hall at, at even money, even though that might be where I'm leaning. Um, but at 375, I think I said at the time, it's a no-brainer. Uh, Uriah Hall hasn't shown anything that makes me think that he's worthy of that big a line and, and Howard's tough enough to, to be in there. Um, so, no, probably not my best pick. I mean, during the RPI, I picked George Roop to defeat Brian Bowles by TKO. That paid 8-1 to one or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. So that was a pretty good one. That was a good one. I forgot about that one. Um, but let, uh, Mama Helwani... She yeah. did good. I mean, look, uh, she's very upset. She's uh, she's three and three. So now, well, she was three and three. So now she's eleven and four. But the good news is there are two events next week. Anything for you? Maybe you'll bet on Jungle Fight. Who knows? 
I don't see any lines out, but uh, I'm always keeping an eye out so how I can get you know myself back on track. track. The, I mean, maybe you should uh, maybe you should uh, call Valid about you know the minor leagues. He can give you an opportunity. He could also give me some uh, inside tips. Yeah, for sure. So there Man, we go. <laughs> I would it, love to talk to him just anytime. <laughs> it's it's a it's a relatively quiet weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. Nothing really going on this weekend, so everyone has a chance to regroup. But next weekend, actually, beginning next Wednesday, it's a full week. Uh, we have what three three UFCs in seven days. There's that card in Indianapolis. Then there's UFC 164 in Milwaukee, and then the following Wednesday, the first night of Rosh Hashanah. By the way, so shame on the UFC for doing that. Um, it's the Bella Horizonte show, headlined by Ryan Bader versus Glover Teixeira. And now, uh, before we get to the questions, I couldn't help but notice you're wearing um, an unusually tight T-shirt today. Is this your way of showing off your new physique? I disagree that this is unusually tight. I mean, it's a. I mean, the it's, sleeve is short. The sleeve, the sleeve is, short. is short. I mean, but, I'm not saying it looks bad. I'm just saying this is not something you would have worn a year ago. Well, I couldn't fit into this shirt a year ago. I've sure. had this in my closet for a while. It's it's actually my favorite shirt. Is it really? Um, is it old? It's really old. I ha- I at one point I weighed maybe 140 pounds. Um, I got really really skinny. Um, but I w- I bought this shirt and they only had it in a size small, even though I wanted a medium. And wow. uh, I haven't been able to fit back into it, but. It's my favorite shirt, and now I'm back in it. That's a size small. It's a small. When's the last time you wore that? Years ago. That, that, Four or five years ago. That's the, that's the, uh, the ad for UFC Fit slash Dolce Diet. This is it right here. Ten years ago, I wore this shirt. Now here <laughs> I am, ten years later, looking as svelte as ever. I mean, I saw that thing. I, I, almost, I almost fainted when I saw you. So tight. Too kind. So tight. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, it's pretty tight. It's it's great. But you to look be able great. To wear it again. Well, I mean, thank you. You're almost done. It's one week left. Uh, I can't less, believe it. Less than a week. How Friday long? is the last day, I believe, and then on Saturday I have like the final results. Wait a second. Day. This Friday? Yeah. This is it. This is it. This is the home stretch, baby. Wait a second. So that means next week we're gonna see the before after. Oh yeah. Be Holy ready. moly moly! Really? It's wow. Be good. Really? Um, at fr- I remember sometimes. Is it really this soon? Yeah. Wow. Somewhere around the middle, I was saying that, uh, you know, the results weren't that noticeable, like in terms of pictures. Sure. Um, it's, it's a big change. Honestly, did you, did you skip a couple of days here and there? No. You I really didn't? didn't. mm It's amazing. I was really, really good about it and, and really strict on the diet, too. Um, wow. Because Will if you're you going to do something, up? do it right. I'm going to keep it up to the extent that I definitely am more conscious about what I'm eating. And when I'm home... I'm not going to be, you know, ordering food or anything like that. I'm going to cook myself the same meals I've been cooking throughout this because they, they taste great and there's no reason not to um, eat healthy if you can. Uh, but let's say I'm, I go out with friends or something like that. There will be times where I'm like, oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Maybe, you know, when I go out with friends, I'll have a, a, a dinner out with them at a, at a restaurant I probably wouldn't have gone to before. Um, but in terms of everyday maintenance, I'm going to be eating the same things I was eating. Uh, it's a lifestyle change, and uh, it really worked well, for me. When you, when you look that good in those T-shirts, those oh god, is that t-shirt. small or extra small? <laughs> it's pretty tight. It's medium. It's medium. No, 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 it's small. It looks great. Congratulations. Well, let's see next week. Yep. So you have the picture, and then you're gonna wow. I got it. Wow, look at this. I'm very excited. That's 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 our big draw for next week. No guests, no nothing. <laughs> it's just talking about that. Do we have some questions? We do. We have quite a few questions. Oh today. my gosh. Um, so let's start with the website. 
fighter introductions. What are your thoughts on the UFC putting the Vegas fight odds on fighters during the oh. introductions? Do you think they would rather use fight odds than using the media's power rankings? Well, actually, there are two questions to answer here. Does someone else ask about Dana's uh, beef with the rankings? Or can I address that uh, here? You can address that, P- Okay, first of all, I love the odds. I love the fact, I don't know if you guys saw the pre-fight show on Fox Sports 1, which uh, I made a few cameos in. Uh, I, I, I thought I, They had a whole segment about gambling. They had an actual gambling expert from the Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas talking about this and the lines and all that stuff. It, it was very reminiscent. They probably took that idea from this very show, but, you know, they're allowed to. It's, it's my pleasure. Um, I think it's great. It's it's just another way to differentiate themselves from the conventional sports. Another way to differentiate themselves from ESPN. Um, you know the, the 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 other leader, the 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 current leader in in um, sports TV programming. I think it's brilliant. And let's stop pretending like people don't uh, look at this stuff. That people don't talk about this stuff. You're allowed to do it in some places. You're you're not allowed in other places. You're 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 always allowed to talk about it. So I think it's great, and it just it's another way of telling you who's the star, who's the underdog, all that stuff. I do love the rankings as well. I I think I've said it on this show. I think those numbers next to the name serve a big purpose on television, and this was a Fox idea. It's a way of telling people if you don't know who they are, this is three versus four. This is eight versus six, et cetera. Now, Dana's issue with the rankings is uh, there's, there's an obvious issue there that needs to be addressed. Chael Sonnen is not the number eight middleweight in the world. That's the craziest thing. The issue is that, A, this is opened up to too many people. The people who are voting, a lot of them aren't, quote, unquote, MMA experts. And, and the thing is, you can pretty much pick from anywhere. So people are, what's happening with Chael, his last two fights now were at light heavyweight. So when people are, ranking or thinking about Chael, they're going to light heavyweight, but some are still picking him at middleweight. So then when you work out the averages, he drops down to eight. It makes no sense. There needs to be a committee of maybe 20 people, 15 people from all different aspects of MMA, and they they pick the rankings. It can't just be open to everyone. It just it, it won't work because then things like Chael Sonnen being ranked eight or nine at middleweight would happen when he's beaten like four guys above him. So it's silly. I get where he's coming from, but he needs to understand that the actual rankings, the system behind it, is very much flawed. To answer the original question, love the odds on the uh, the graphics. Our next question, what's next for the notorious one? Ooh. Coke Poirier seems like the best option as both are coming off losses, but any other fight that would make sense for Conor McGregor? I guess he's asking you if there's another fight. Well, outside of first off, let's find out about his knee. Um you know, let's see how injured it is and how long he'll be out for. He says he wants to fight in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, as he said. Um, UFC 168. Originally, I thought Coke Poirier, um, but I got the sense that's not really in the cards. I got the sense from talking to people that there was interest in Diego Brandao versus Conor McGregor, someone with a ground game jujitsu, and Brandao certainly fits that bill. Although Brandao thinks he may have broken his hand in the first round of his fight on Saturday. Excuse me. So who knows if he'll be ready. But I think we're going to see someone in the Brandau sort of territory. And uh, Coke Poirier might be the next fight, if you know what I'm saying. Our next question. Does anyone ask about his performance? No. Or should we address it quickly here? Yeah. I was, about well, what do you think about it? I mean, I thought it was totally fine. Sure, he didn't finish him. But A, he got injured in the middle of the fight. And he showed the ground game. It wasn't as flashy as the beginning, but I don't think that was... I know he called it a loss, but 
that wasn't a step back for him. It wasn't as flashy as the first one, but it was still a very solid performance against a solid guy at 145. Uh, I mean, in the first round, his hands looked great, and then throughout the rest of the fight, his grappling looked, you know, serviceable. He was uh, able to completely control uh, Max Holloway, and before this fight, the talk was, oh, this is a great fight now. Max Holloway is really going to test him, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas Andy Ogle wasn't getting that same respect. Uh, and then when he completely dominates him, you don't kind of hear that anymore. Uh, Max Holloway's tough. He beat a tough guy, completely controlled the fight, and he did it while being injured. I have no problem with his performance. I thought he looked you know, sharp. Obviously, it's not up to his standard, but nothing to be disappointed about with that one. By the way, the audio expert, Buzzkill, is back there, and now I'm being told the audio disappeared on the stream, just got flooded on Twitter. Isn't the show supposed to be extra buttoned up when Buzzkill is back there? What's, what's the deal? Audio is back, apparently. Is it back? I don't hear anything, although maybe I'm a little delayed. I mean, really. He, he, he's a little rusty, isn't he? <laughs> anything you want to say for yourself? Buzzkill? Ivory Tower. Anything you want to say? Is there anything... You want to say about your reputation? Oh, now they're saying it's back. Um, I guess that's a no comment. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, there he is. Um, <laughs> you know, old case of the elbow hitting the mouse. Is that really what happened? Sorry to say. Yes. No way. Put all these safeguards in place, but the the physical proximity of the mouse to my elbow. <laughs> Get out of here. Really <laughs> I don't believe defeated. you. Is that really what happened? Yeah, you can see it. It's true. What your 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 elbow hit the mouse and then it turned off the audio of the entire show? Yeah, the the it muted the sound going to the encoder for the stream. Jeez Louise. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's Back okay, in. really. We still love you. Um all right, let's move along. Next question. Regarding Carlos Condit. If he has a good performance next week on FS one against Martin Campman, how far away is Condit from getting back in the title mix? Who would you like to see him face next? I don't know if he's right back in there because George St. Pierre did beat him rather convincingly. He did have uh, that moment there. I believe it was in the third round when he dropped him. But there are some guys, there's, there's a line forming, and it probably starts with you know McDonald and Robbie Lawler, and then, of course, there's Damian Maya. Um, and how about Matt Brown looking so good? I kind of wish that they'd do Matt Brown versus Damian Maya next. I really think that would make a lot of sense. But, yeah, I, I think for Condit... His best bet is probably Johnny Hendricks. But even if Johnny Hendricks wins, you know GSP is going to get a rematch. So I, I still think he's at least three, four, five fights away from an, another title shot. Question about Alistair Overeem. Seems like Alistair is not only looking like a different person physically, in parentheses, shrink, shrinking, <clears throat> excuse me, but also the way he carries himself is different. Do you think he ever regains his swag without PEDs? I mean, uh, that's kind of... that's. I mean, now we're we're going to accuse him of PDs, and I don't think that's necessarily fair. I mean, he had the one issue part of the Dos Santos fight. Um, you can you can address what is there on paper, and that's he does look different than he did uh, back in the day. But that being said, he did drop Travis Brown, and he did have him in trouble. Unfortunately for him, the the tables were turned. Although he did, he did nail an illegal knee that was not called somehow. I don't know how this wasn't called. Yamasaki was there watching it, and, uh, and it, 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 in my opinion, it, it nailed flush. I don't know how that was not called. Um, the, 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 the Overeem dilemma is a very interesting one. I really think that 
he's going to get another chance. Um, I think in this day and age with Bellator out there and maybe some other options, uh, I, I think the UFC will keep him for one more fight and see if he can rejuvenate himself. But I think one of the things about Overeem is look at what he's doing. I mean, he's, he, he brought in Mike, uh, Mike Passanier from Mike's gym. He doesn't really seem integrated in the Black Zillions team, kind of a lone wolf. I mean, is he making the right calls? Is he surrounding himself with the right people? Often, there, there, there's something to be said for that. You, you look at guys who... Uh, look at what Shogun's brother told our own Guillermo Cruz today, uh, Ninja Hua, saying that Shogun's not surrounding himself with the right people. Is that happening? I mean, Mike's not a, a yes man, um, but something seems off there. And, uh, and, and he's obviously not as dominant and not as confident as he was a few years back. There's, all, there's also the glory option, which I think would be a layup for glory if he did leave the UFC. They should sign him immediately. But I think he'll get one more chance in the UFC. Next question. Are people underrating Travis Brown? He's now 6-1-1 one one in the UFC, but wins over Overeem, Struve, and Gonzaga. In addition, his only loss is by an injury TKO to the former number one contender Bigfoot. He's a top five heavyweight in my eyes, but it seems all the attention is now is on how Overeem isn't good rather than Travis Brown being good. You claim that I said he is getting the attention he deserves last Correct. week, but honestly, I kind of black out uh, at this point in the show. I don't remember that. I often f- I feel like I said that Brown doesn't get the respect he deserves. Incorrect. Because he knocked out Stefan Struve amazingly at UFC 130 with the Superman t- punch, and then everyone continues to rank Struve above him. It's very bizarre. He doesn't get the respect. He's 15-1-1. He's being the guys, as this man mentioned. He does deserve more. I want to see him fight for Doom. I, I-, I feel like Verdum definitely deserves the next title shot, but because... The title fight is happening October 19th. He hasn't fought very actively over the last couple of years. Verdum versus Brown, I think, makes a lot of sense. Fresh matchup. And you look at the fights that he's had recently. Big Nog, Mike Russell, Nelson. I mean, the, the good fights, but look at those fights. Overeem, Struve, Gonzaga, those are good wins as well. Um, and not in that order. So... I think Brown deserves, A, a lot more respect. I don't think he gets it. I was even looking at Sherdog's ratings today, rankings today, and he's way down there. It's ridiculous. This is crazy to me. What? Last week, I swear on everything. All right, forget about I was, that. I was drumming the Travis Brown. Uh, really? Uh, I've always been bothered by the fact that he doesn't get enough respect. Uh, yeah. Wait, but do, I, do you I, have I, the I clip just, ready for this, No, too? I don't have the clip on this one, but I do agree with you. He's... he's uh, He's super tough, like, and his one his one loss was one where he had a freak injury. Right. I'm looking at Sherdog's rankings right now. They have him ranked ninth. Above him is Josh Barnett, Big Nog, Frank Mir, and then Bigfoot's, you know, you, you got to give Bigfoot the props because he did beat him. And then there's Cormier and Verdum and all those guys. I don't know about that. I don't know about the Barnetts. And the, certainly, I don't know about Big Nog. When, when's the last time Big Nog beat a top 10 guy? Was Brendan Schaub top 10 at UFC with 134? If so, that was two years ago. It's time to give him his his, his respect. Our final... Uh, and also, respect for that beard. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. Uh, our final question from the website. The viewership for the launch of Fox Sports 1 was great. For the future events, do you see the viewership rising? Maybe reaching an average of 2 million plus. Eventually? Absolutely. Uh, like I said, 
the Fox Sports one is quickly, and Fox Sports, they are realizing the power of the UFC. And, and this is not, look, MMA fans are the most loyal fans out there as far as the sport goes. They, they, they really think about what they had to do on Saturday. They had to go out of their way, and it sounds so simple, but do you know how many tweets I was getting? And that's just a small sample size. How many tweets I was getting from people? Where's Fox Sports One? How do I find it? What channel is it on here? Which channel? They went out of their way, they found it the first day for the network. 1.7 million viewers, an average. We'll, we'll find out the official ratings tomorrow. Huge for the network, huge for the UFC, and absolutely, uh, you know, and, and also it was a great card, and, and it also proves that when you promote things, when you get out there and you don't just let events happen and just sit there, look what happens in return. Great card, great promotion, great ratings. Um, often the UFC has so many events so close together that, some of them get lost in the shuffle, and they suffer as a result from a pay-per-view buy, ratings perspective, and also from a card depth perspective. Well, they loaded the deck here, and they promoted the hell out of it, and people found it. And if they continue to do that, I don't see why they can't get more than 2 million viewers. We're about to go to the uh, Twitter questions, but before we do that, we've got a lot of questions. I just wanted to ask it rather than showing it on screen. Uh, what is in your bottle? People oh. are interested, and they and they're saying it's a it's a it's a tribute to Lyoto Machida is what they're oh. is what they're saying. Uh, actually, it was more of a tribute to Dana White because people always ask him what's in his vitamin water bottle. Did you know that he gets uh, custom not custom but like this 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 special vitamin water because his vitamin water is a glass bottle with a silver top, but then there's um, there's some purpleness or pinkness well, what's, to it. What, is, what does that mean? Like, what is the custom vitamin water? It's a custom bottle. I don't know. There's nothing really different about the actual vitamin water, but I believe he mixes it with Pedialyte, I think. Oh, that's good. Good electrolytes in that. Something like that, yeah. Anyway, my concoction this week is uh, water mixed with Airborne. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I'm very much under the weather this week. In fact, when I woke up Saturday morning on arguably one of the biggest nights of my career because it was the launch of Fox Sports 1, I was on the pre-fight show, all that jazz, I had no voice. I couldn't swallow. Uh, I was very much under the weather, so uh, I've been drinking this stuff. I don't really know if it works, but uh, it has vitamin C and things of that nature in it. So that's what it is. Well, we thank you for, for powering through it. Yeah. Fighting through it. Yeah. Anything for you guys. Here's our first question from the Twitter. Kevin Thang. Oh, yeah. With so many fighters calling out Chael Sonnen, rank these four fights in order of interest to you. Vitor, Vanderlei, Lyoto, and Davis. Okay. Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei. Chael Sonnen versus Vitor. Chael Sonnen versus Lyoto. Chael Sonnen versus Davis. Easy. Easy. Same thing. It's, easy. It's I, easy. I, just, I just want to see the Vanderlei fight. I want to see those stare downs. I want to see all the talk back and forth. It's just... It might not make total sense from... Eh, it does kind of make sense. He lost the last two. Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei has to happen. It would be a travesty if it didn't. Now, we both feel that way. But oh, which fight with, would Mrs. Helwani oh, wow. want to see? Sonnen Vanderlei, Sonnen Belfort, or Sonnen Machida? And how about my man Christian with the... Uh, with the avatar, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did see this earlier, and uh, wait a second, uh, Mr. Rick claimed that there was no hashtag on this, but yet there is a hashtag. I found it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Um, so I saw this earlier, and how about this? Uh, I, I I asked my mother, and she gave me a good breakdown. She thinks that Vitor versus Chael is the bigger fight. Yes, there's some 
fireworks behind Vanderlei and, and Chael, but she thinks the bigger fight is Vitor versus Chael. So how about that? I could agree with that in a certain sense. Sure, I mean, they're, it's big. they're bigger names. Uh, Vanderlei is not as huge a name in terms of you know yeah. relevancy anymore. He's still, you know, his fans are, are unbelievable, but in terms of rele- relevancy right now, uh, Vitor is obviously uh, a bigger name. And I got to say, I mean, just the fact that I sent an email to my mother asking her which fight does she think is bigger, Vitor versus Chael or Chael versus Vanderlei was quite the thrill. Something I never thought I'd do. Our next question. If Chael beat uh, Belfort at 185, would he get the middleweight shot or will Dana need him to win more? I just want to answer someone on Twitter asking me if this is a Supreme NY shirt that I'm wearing. It is. And if you know them, wow, this guy actually started his Twitter to ask me this question. That's incredible. Somebody noted that you're not wearing plaid. Well, you know, I got to switch it up. All right. Uh, and someone told me that I, we have to pronounce this man's name correctly. It's Huntalar. I got the, uh, the, the, the pronunciation. Okay. Here's what Chael said on UFC Tonight a couple weeks ago. If he fights Vitor, he wants him to put his number one contendership on the line. Now, this is not pro wrestling. You can't exactly do that. But he wants Vitor to then acknowledge, if he lost to Chael, that he is no longer the number one contender. So that's what he wants. There you go. If he beats Vitor, it's going to be hard. It really is. Think about people just eat out of Chael's hand. After that promo on Saturday calling Joe Rogan the middle-aged comedian, everything he said. Uh, uh, boy, until I met you, I didn't know they stacked crap that high. All that stuff. It was brilliant, and people just get very excited. What a difference a few... I thought this was must-win for Chael. I really did. Um, and I know I said there was more pressure on Shogun last week, but I changed my mind leading into the fight. You know why? Because Chael Sonnen has so much going on around him with the TV stuff and all that. You can't come back to TV. You can't keep analyzing and critiquing and being who he is on a three-fight losing streak. Some of the luster is taken away. Now he's harder than ever. Everyone's asking to fight him. It's big. You, you, you need to keep winning, and you need to keep doing so in, in a fashion like that. And who would have thought he would have done it like that? So if he wins against someone like Vitor in impressive fashion, I can assure you that many people will be asking for another Chael Sonnen title run. It's reminding me a little bit of Uriah Faber in the sense sure. that everybody else, he looks pretty great against, and then, you know, he gets the title shot, and it, and it doesn't always go so great, even though he did look good against Anderson Silva in the first fight. Um, he just can't quite get it done there. But Does I someone ask post- about Faber? Because I think Faber should fight I think, Michael McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. that might have been the question, actually. Well, uh, you, can, you can still talk about it. Uh, our next question, where does Shogun go from here? That's a very good question. I'd love to see Shogun make a run at 185. If you haven't read the article, the interview um, that the Beast, Guilherme Cruz, once again on fire as we start the week, uh, did with Ninja Hua, who's running a gas station now, apparently. If you haven't read it, do yourself a favor and read it. And it's a classic case. He's saying his brother that Shogun is surrounding himself with the wrong people. And they touch on 185, but I, I just looking at Shogun, I'd love to see him try to to go down to 185. I think it would it would benefit him. Maybe it would hurt him too much. Maybe he doesn't have what it takes. But I, I don't think the UFC should cut him. You know, he's he's losing to you know Gustafson. He's losing to Chael Sonnen. He is five and six, I believe, in his uh, UFC career. So that's not great. Um, he's had some close ones here and there. 
of course, the, the first Machida fight comes to mind. Um, but if you ask me off the top of my head, there's nothing really there at 205. Make a run at 185. See if you can do it. Revitalize your career. Here's not a question, but Sean Sheehan, our buddy, says, Hey, New York Rick, early MMA hour question. Is this the best prediction ever? So I saw this. What does it say? Imagine if Brown KO'd Overeem with a front kick to the face. Now, my first, uh, my first sort of thought when I saw this was, it says August 18th, but then I remembered he's in Ireland, 301. You do the math. Um, he probably sent that around the time the fight was happening because I believe Ireland is five hours ahead of us. So that was around 10. And then if you look at the responses, people are saying, I'd love to see that. What? Oh, and then someone wrote, WTF, you were right. So it probably happened because the, the, the person who says, I'd love to see that was 60 minutes. And then, see, I'm trying to figure out if he did in fact send this. Could he have Photoshopped it? He could he have changed the time? I don't think Sean's that kind of guy. Did you see his predictions video last week? He was, getting, he was his getting a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting his haircut in the kitchen, it looked like. Um, it was amazing. He's a character. Is that the best prediction ever? I don't know. I mean... No, it's not. It's but not? It, is, okay. it is a good one. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, it's, and it's not even so much a prediction as imagine if. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he kind of called it. How about that avatar there? It's unbelievable. Let's click on it. Let's see it. I look at it all the time. Can we see it? Can't zoom in on it. No, oh, you, can, you can actually yeah, click it. Yeah, there we go. Look at that thing. What is that? He's, He's in a frame? <laughs> television? I'm not even sure. You got to follow this guy on Twitter and uh, Instagram. He has the most amazing pictures. Every day he looks completely different. He's a chameleon. Sean Chien. Famous. All right. Next question is from Scott Lagman. Do you think Brown versus Bigfoot 2 and Overeem versus Hunt 2 are the matches to make in the heavyweight division? Well, no, I don't, I don't really think Brown versus Bigfoot 2. I don't really want to see that. I, want, I know he lost to him, but I want to see Brown kind of move on, and, and I think he should fight Verdum um, for, with, the, with the number one contender spot on the line. Hunt versus Overeem 2 is interesting. A lot of people brought this up, and yeah, absolutely. I think that would be fun. Um, both guys coming off losses, Overeem coming off two straight losses. You know what's going to go down in that fight. Standing and banging, as they say, and I'm 100% down with that. I, I'd like to see Overeem get another chance. I think he deserves it, and uh, it, it hasn't worked out, but think about the two losses. Looked very good in the Bigfoot fight, the early portion of it, and then obviously faltered, and, and here as well. Looked good, so let's see. Let's see if he gets the right people around him, the right kind of training, and uh, I think the Hunt fight actually makes sense from a, a rankings perspective. And it also makes sense from, um, you know, just a, a, a stylistic a stylistics perspective. Uh, I also think another fight that makes sense for him is Big Nog. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun to see. I like that fight. I like both of those fights, in fact. Which do you like more? Uh, Overeem versus Hunt. Versus Hunt, because that would be fireworks. Uh, and I'd probably lean toward Hunt at this point. Um, really? Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Hunts just looked better recently. Uh, if you asked me <laughs> a decade ago, uh, it would have been a different answer probably. Well, a de- decade ago. Actually, maybe a decade ago. No, that's too long. Maybe three years ago. Three years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three years ago, you're right. Uh, Overeem three years ago, Mark peak. Hunt was, uh, was getting submitted by Sean McCorkle. Man. 
Yeah. Uh, next question. You've already answered this. How do you feel about Brown versus Redoom for the number one contendership? Totally. I think Brown is ready for one. Totally. What can Brown do for you? Our next question. What do you oh. think about a Faber versus McDonald fight in Sack or Dirty <laughs> Stockton? Both Cali guys. I don't know about Stockton, but uh, it seems like they, they, they have Sacramento on the, on the to-do list. They haven't been there in a while. It's, it's been a good place for them to go. Um, obviously, Faber is a big draw there. I love that fight. You think about it, they both lost to Burrell. They both look great on Saturday. The bantamweight division kind of in a holding pattern right now. I think the fight makes total sense. And they both acknowledge it makes sense. I love it. Next question. What's next for Matt Brown? Maybe the winner of Campman Condit or Robbie Lawler? So Robbie Lawler is going to fight Roy McDonald. This is a very interesting one. I really think Brown versus Damian Maya would make a lot of sense. But as you know, uh, Damian Maya is going to fight Jake Shields probably in October. It's tough. I was thinking, who's out there? Because, yeah, I guess Condit Catman can work. But then what if, let's say Condit wins. A lot needs to happen. But let's say Condit wins and then he beats. I, I think it's fine. I still think it's, it's weird because Brown has won six in a row. Yet for some reason, people don't consider him a number one contender because he hasn't fought a top five guy. So he needs that. Is Tarek Safadine a top five guy? Um, I don't think so. Josh Koscheck's out there, but... He's coming off a couple losses too. I think he's just in a weird spot right now where, you know, the, the Mayas, the McDonald's, the Lawlers, they're booked. So he may have to fight someone who's not quite top five, but maybe top 10 and then get the top five guy. And so I think he's probably two, maybe three wins away from getting a title shot. So Condi Catman winner, I think makes sense and would be a fun fight. Either guy, I think Safadine makes sense. And then there's Kostrick out there as well. If I remember correctly, in terms of the official rankings, Koscheck's like 10 and Safadine's 9 or something like that. Yeah, they're, I'm looking at it now. Koscheck's 10, Lawler 9, Safadine 8. And then, of course, there's always Mr. Diaz. That'd be an interesting That'd be one. a fun one. <clears throat> Next question. Could putting the mic in front of Matt Brown propel him to a title shot to beat GSP's ass grabbed attention? So here's something I didn't realize. It, it seems like... It was a big deal for Matt Brown to talk to Joe Rogan after the fight. It seems like his last few fights, I, I know the last one he was kind of standing around, um, but I guess they've been ignoring him and not on purpose. It's always a, 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 t- a TV thing. You know, they, they time out the shows and they have to cut the fat, so to speak, when they feel like the show's going long. So he finally got on the mic and he said some great stuff. I mean, he's a very charismatic guy, a different kind of charismatic guy, kind of a straight shooter, has a has a very fun delivery, but you know, he's very serious and kind of no nonsense. It was actually funny because we do those two interviews, one for Fox and one for MMA fighting. The Fox one, uh, he swore a bunch of times and then the internet one, he didn't swear at all. It was very, it was very funny. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was great. That stuff that he said about GSP was great. He needs a top 10 guy next and then a top five guy. And then I think he's right there and he's six in a row. That's very hard to do. No matter what division you're in. Um, I'm remembering, what's his name? Uh, George Sardaropoulos. He, he put together a nice uh-huh. winning streak where um, none of the guys were you know, that highly ranked. And then um, when he did get that next step, it kind of fell apart. Is Joe that, Lozon. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Are you uh, saying he's going to falter in his next fight? No. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying, saying that. Brown's look very imp- – I'm just saying the situation right now is similar. 
um, where he couldn't, you know, get that that bigger name opponent. And also, um, it, it also feels like every time Mike Pyle loses this whole, you know, he's tough in the gym, the toughest in the gym. But let's not forget, Mike Pyle had won his last three in a row all in the first round. He had looked great. So that, that, that Mike Pyle that's beating up guys that's a gym killer kind of went away, that label. Like, he, he had realized his potential. And for him to do that that quickly, what he did to Pyle is pretty amazing. Definitely agree there. <clears throat> Our next question. With Dana White saying that Uriah Hall is not a fighter, do you think he sticks around for one more fight or gets cut? I think he sticks around. Um, yeah, I think he, he's a fighter, obviously. I mean, I think he, what he was implying was mentally he needs to fix some things. And, and there were signs there. I mean, remember in the Ultimate Fighter, that first knockout, the crazy knockout, he was so concerned about his opponent, which is, you know, which is a nice thing. It says he's a good guy, but maybe fighters don't or shouldn't think that way. Who knows? Um, I think he gets another chance. I think he needs to go all the way down and work himself up. Again, you know, here's a guy who was part of Tiger Shulman's for a very long time and then moves out west after the Ultimate Fighter um, disappointment and, and goes and trains with Rain, which is a great team, but changes everything drastically. Who knows how his life was after the show, you know, the transition, all that stuff. In this day and age, I don't think the UFC is going to just cut a guy like that and let someone else pick him up. It doesn't make sense. Um, so I, I think he gets another chance. He's too big of a prospect. I think if he loses his next one, then he'll probably get cut. Our next question. I loved UFC fight night on Saturday, but I was a little disappointed in Joe Lozon. Was that an adrenaline dump or what? He looked off. You know, he, I, I saw him on Facebook. He, he posted a picture of how he looked after the fight. Pretty gruesome. Offered no excuses. Had a great camp. Said he felt good. It's funny. I, I think I was talking about... I, I said this in an interview... Um, with ESPN New Hampshire on Friday. And I was saying, it was like, when he fought Gabe Rudiger at UFC 118 in Boston, it was like he was Super Mario and he just ate that star and he had all this power, this extra power, and he was throwing him around. It was it was amazing. The crowd went insane. And here, he just didn't, it just never felt like he got into it. I, I was very surprised that he boxed with Johnson for so long, hardly went to his ground game, I don't know what the official stats are, but I, I can't imagine he shot more than three times and certainly not towards the end of the fight. Johnson looked fantastic. Let's not take anything away from him. The way he was so crisp on his feet, very active. I mean, he just seemed like a guy who was on a mission, like like the Michael Johnson that was on the Ultimate Fighter that we thought could turn into this major star in the uh, 155-pound division. And Lozon just never could get going. And maybe it was because Johnson came out stronger than he thought he was going to come out. Who knows? I don't think the crowd was what, you know, made Joe Lozon look that way. I don't think he, you know, buckled under the pressure. Sometimes you have off nights. Who knows? You wake up, you're off. You're warming up, you're off. I was not expecting that, I'll be honest. But um, maybe all the talk about the bonuses and all that got him focused on other things. Who knows? But I, my, my takeaway from the fight was, A, Johnson looked amazing, the best he's ever looked, and B, why didn't Joe Lozon try to go to the ground more? Definitely agree. Even Fred, oh, I was just saying, I was watching Ultimate Insider um, on, on uh, Sunday, yesterday, and he was talking about how Johnson can't hang with him on the ground. His jiu-jitsu can't hang. I mean, he never even tried it. Yeah. John, Johnson's weakness has shown to be uh, his defensive uh, wrestling, his ground game. People have been able to, well, offensively, he's a good wrestler, but people have been able to take him down and control him. So you you probably would have wanted to see more of that from Joe Lozon. But uh, Johnson looked incredible. And, and 
usually when he is putting it all together and working his own offense, he he's a very dangerous fighter. So, you know, got to give credit to him um, rather than just saying, you know, Lozon looked like this or Lozon looked Lozon like that. Lozon was 0 for 4 in the takedown department. Johnson, 2 for 2. Yep. According to Fight Metric. Our next question, what did you think of the numerous 10-8 rounds given out this weekend? Some of them were a little weird. There was one... Was it the Johnson fight against Lozon where there were yeah, thirty twenty five? Holy moly! Um, you know, I like the fact that they're giving. I met some of the guys from the the uh, Massachusetts Commission. I met some of them, and they were great. They were they, they you know they they really seemed like they knew what they were talking about, and they they studied jujitsu, they trained, and they they knew all aspects of the game. And I didn't mind it. I'm not sure if there were two ten eights in that round. Maybe the first round was a ten eight, um, but you know beat him up there was nothing coming back the other way so it didn't it didn't bother me but it seemed i mean the problem is it's so inconsistent it's completely inconsistent i mean you how often do you see a 10-8 in that case one percent of the time in boxing you know oh this is clear drop them 10-8 obvious 10-7 as we've said many times like a unicorn you'll never see that so it's just very inconsistent i mean What's the rhyme or reason for it? It was cool to see, but... Well, I think that the one judge gave them out in multiple fights. So it was consistent in that aspect that they were analyzing the fight the same way um, and handing out 10-8s in multiple fights rather than just that one. So um, the consistency, I I, I think, was there in that aspect. Um, But across the board, you don't really see 10-8s for for rounds like that. Although maybe the first, you could argue, because he definitely was close to putting uh, Lozon away. I like I'd like to see ten more ten eights, so I thought it was good. I'd uh, love to see them too. I and no I, I don't mind that. seeing ten tens. Uh definitely agree there as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Our next question. Does the high fiving, hugging, and over the top admiration for each other during a fight drive you as nuts as it does Dana White and I? I think it's weird. I think it's weird. I mean, do that after the fight. I don't even get it. I'm I'm kinda crazy. When I uh, play sports, as New York Rick uh, has learned, uh, and as I told you guys recently, and uh, I'm very competitive, and I don't understand how you could be on a stage like that, competing in front of all those people, and hugging, and high five. What does that even mean? Let's put on a show. What does that even mean? I don't understand it. When when Rampage and Tito were saying that we're going to put on a show, what does that even mean? I want to beat this guy up. I want the fight to last a second. I want to knock him out and go home. What does that mean? Makes no sense. Our final question. Uh, not a question. Oh. Uh, yes, a question. But do you think this would happen if Chael was the referee oh at 168? <laughs> That's incredible. If you're only listening to this, this is uh, uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and the sharpshooter. Uh, and Shawn Michaels has him. This is obviously from 1997 Survivor Series, which I was at. I was there. The Bell Center in Montreal. It was actually the Molson Center back then. And uh, Chael Sonnen, with a massive smile on his face, <laughs> is, the, uh, is the Earl Hebner, uh, the referee in the, in the picture. And he's calling for the bell. And, uh, yeah, that was awesome. That's a, great, that's a great Photoshop right there. Do I think that would happen? I love how stoic Chris Weidman is. Not even smiling. I love how stoic Anderson Silva. That's true. He's in a submission and he's just laying there like, "What up?" Well, Anderson's like, "I knew this was going to happen. 
I knew I told you guys this was gonna happen if you made Chell the referee. That's what he's saying to the camera. <laughs> Can you imagine if Keith Kaiser who would do a better job refing? Honestly, Chell, let's say Chell said he would, you know, call it down the middle. Yep. And and but by we, the way, I, I there's no reason to believe he wouldn't. Sure. But but we know he has his his you know, his biases, right? Uh, I mean But who would do a better job? That Chael or Kim Winslow? Well, no doubt about it, Chael. If somebody has to break up the fight, Chael's going to be in there. Um, Chael is obviously, you know, more aware of when a fight needs to be stopped. And, sure. Um, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Chael will be a great referee. And I also think uh, he's very intelligent, and, and he would be it would be, it would, it would be in his best interest to be uh, objective and um, I don't think that would be a problem. But he's obviously not going to get that assignment even if he was refing um, at that time. Yeah, it's not happening. Although they make such funny decisions over there in Nevada, the fight capital of the world, that maybe they will do it, although I doubt it. <laughs> would they put him on the posters? Special uh, guest yes. referee. Oh, my gosh. That would be a little pro wrestling. With him with like the, the, the referee shirt cut off, his arms folded. Uh, so that's it. No more questions. That's it. All right. Uh, I want to, uh, my good friends over at fight metric, I mentioned them earlier. They always hook me up with great stats, but, uh, my voice is on its last likes here, but I want to just mention a couple and then I'll post them tomorrow in their entirety over at MMAfighting.com. Here's an interesting one. UFC fight night 26 was just the third modern era event to feature three fights ending in under a minute each. The others, UFC 84, Carwin over Welsh, um, Wellish in uh, 44 seconds, Yoshida over Copenhaver, a.k.a. War Machine, 56 seconds, and Silva over Jardine in 36 seconds, and UFC Fight Night 13, Johnson over Spear, Aurelio over Roberts, and Irvin versus Alexander. Um, speaking of Houston Alexander, he's fighting Vladimir Matyushenko in Bellator. How about that? And let me give you one more. Um... How about this one about Steven Seiler since he felt no respect going into his fight against Mike Brown. Steven Seiler provided the night uh, with its next quick finish, knocking out former WC featherweight champion Mike Brown just 50 seconds. The quick finish ties Josh Crispy's knockout at WC 35 for fifth fastest ever in UFC slash WC featherweight history. And finally, speaking of former WC fighters, Michael McDonald continues to stake his claim as the bantamweight division's premier power puncher. McDonald's scored two knockdowns of Brad Pickett in the first round of their bout on Saturday night. McDonald now has six total knockdowns in UFC slash WC competition, tying Eddie Wineland for most in the division's history. So there you have it. I'll post the rest of those on Tuesday. Thank you very much to the good folks at Fightmetric for the stats. As always, they do great work. And, 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 you know, what was it? Last week, Phil Davis was a little critical of the Fightmetric guys. And I think, you know, a good point was made afterwards if you look at the way Fightmetric actually breaks down the stats and provides the stats, it's very different sometimes than the way people digest the stats and regurgitate the stats. Um, you know, when he was talking about takedowns and whatnot, just look at the way they, they actually break it down and then listen sometimes the way it's fed back to us on the broadcast and things like that. Sometimes it's not the most accurate way. Do they have work? Uh, to be done is there work to be done can it be a little more precise absolutely stats can always be that way and the fact that they're even trying to uh, 
you know, keep MMA stats and, 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 and monitor them is a great step in the right direction. But, you know, there are certain things when you talk about punches landed and things like that. And it's sometimes it's different because ground and pound is different than uh, on the feet and things. There's, there's, there's many different ways that you could break down. But the point is, I think they do a great job and they help us out greatly. And I just wanted to note that. So anyway, uh, you can... Uh, you can hit my music. Once I say any wow, I think that means to, to go to sleep. Hot with the music there, right off uh, right off the top. Blazing in my ear. A great show, and I want to thank once again the good people over at Fox Sports 1 for uh, sponsoring this week's show. Great rating on Saturday, UFC Fight Night 26, one7 million viewers the average was 1.7 we should know more about the ratings tomorrow but uh, amazing stuff congratulations to everyone involved and uh, we want to thank them very much for sponsoring the show and you can follow them on twitter twitter.com slash fox sports one also fox sports live uh, 11 p.m eastern time great show with my fellow canadians and uh, ufc tonight moving there september 11th Um, but next uh, this week's show the next episode is tomorrow night uh, 11 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2 which was Fuel I want to thank John Anik great stuff out of him always love hearing from other broadcasters and uh, seeing how much more uh, prepared and professional they are than me Uh, Eddie Alvarez thank you very much to him and congratulations on the new deal and uh, stealing that Bellator title back home Carlos Conde good luck to him at UFN 27 August 28th Kira Gracie it was great having her on the show good luck to her and um, her Gracie Camp adventure that she does with her family. Valid Ishmael, what can we say about him? Unbelievable stuff. Check out Jungle Fight 56 this Saturday, ESPN Deportes. And Leona Machida, thank you so much, Tim, for stopping by. Good luck getting that Vitor Belfort fight. We will be back next week. If you missed any portion of the show, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher. Until then, we say to the peace. Somebody.